Rhodium Radio. No sad podcast. Rhodium Radio. No sad podcast. In the shitty city of Wilmington, we keep it rocking. So come on, shake, shake it for me, Kelly. Yeah. Dr. Dre is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Easy E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yella is down with us. Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A. The Wizard is down with us. JJ Fag is down with us. Timmy T, you know he's down with us. DJ Pooh Boy is down with us. Toddy P and Spade, they're down with us. My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us. I like to mention, so pay attention to where I'm from. Compton, but the tapes are from the rodeum. My name is Dre, listen while I play. And by the way, I'm also down with NWA. Yo, Steve at the rodeum is down with us. Slanging funky tapes, it is a must. We're number one. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodian Radio episode 49. We're almost at 50, okay? So hang in there. But uh, other than that, before I introduce my one of my special guests tonight, uh, let me go ahead and promote the Rodian Mixtape Documentary. As a matter of fact, let me give a shout-out to uh, DJ Clever. Uh, he hit me up today, and he said that we did an amazing, amazing job. Nobody has ever dissed it yet. As a matter of fact, I continue to say I will put it up against any West Coast hip-hop documentary. Uh, so many people have congratulated me, have told me that I did a great job, but I can't take all the credit. Also got to give a shout-out to John motherfucking Elkins and my boy Daniel DJ Media Clips. And there was a lot of people behind the scenes that uh, deserve a lot of credit. But uh, other than that, you can get that 20% off at documixery.com uh, using the promo code TRMD20. TRMD20 should pop up on the screen. And uh, once again, I still get people that ask me, when am I going to be on your show? When am I going to be on your show? Let me say this, and I'm definitely not trying to be mean. Nothing is guaranteed, man. You know what? Uh, if I feel that it fits uh, the, the program here, cool. My boys listen to the music. They get back to me. They tell me, Tone, this is dope. Check this out. We're good. You know, we'll, we'll book you. I have no problem with that. Eventually, everybody that submitted their music will be on. Just give it time. Okay. Other than that, submit it to rodeonradio at gmail.com. Uh, some people have asked me, why do I got to submit it? Everybody does. Everybody submits their music. Unless you're a, you know, Snoop. Okay. I know your music. So other than that, uh, you can go on the documixery.com, get the four uh, um, mixtape. Uh, Johnny, get, help me out. Bundles. The mixtape bundles for 30 bucks. Four mixtape uh, via download for 30 bucks. Okay, there's eight of them up there that you can get. Go ahead and buy us out. We are about to start um, submitting our CDs so that we can get them back in about a week or so. Then we'll have the CDs as well, all eight of them. And then we'll be releasing more after that. I have a lot more. And then the Blu-rays will be coming soon after that as well. But anyway, you guys don't want to hear that shit. But without further ado, please allow me to introduce the principal coima, the homie, Sleepy Malo. How you doing, brother? What up, what up, Tony? I'm good, man. Yeah, we yeah. finally made it. Yes, sir. We made it to the Rodeo yes, Radio. Sir. You know what? I saw you brought me a little gift, but we're gonna save that till yes, after sir. break. All right. Okay. And 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 we'll give uh, your homeless product a little push. All right. We good with Sounds that? Sounds good. Sounds good. You know good. what? Um, how about to drive over here? Cause I know you came from a ways. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, with all this going on, you know, there's still a little bit of traffic, but not, you know, 
Yeah, it was not cool. like usual, you know. Yeah. Now, when you say all this going on, obviously we're talking about the coronavirus. The whole corona. Uh, um, what it, What are your personal thoughts about that, man? You know what? I think they just hype it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's there, you know, I know some's there, but I think it's just hype, you know. Right. And uh, my boy Solo, he'll agree with me. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people. Back and forth. A lot of people that agree with me, disagree with me, have told me off. And, yeah. Hey, I'm not saying it's fake. I just think it's pretty much blown out of proportion. Yeah, that's that's the way. Yeah. You know. But other than that, you see anything good lately on TV? TV. You know what? I watched the Tiger King. What did you think? I finished watching it and it. It, it, it's crazy because when when you first start watching it, you're like ah this dude, but then at the end, I kind of feel sorry for homeboy, you know. And then yeah, you you don't know who to uh, who to believe, you know. Like you right. don't know, right? I can't believe you know. That's crazy that he did a diss song in in in, in country dissing yeah. Carol motherfucking Baskin. <laughs> you know, shout out to Carol Baskin. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get at me. Interview. Road and radio. Hopefully Carol they mother- find her husband soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, lunch lunch <laughs> meat, bro. So, but other than that, seen anything else good? You know what I watched? Uh, as, as far as movies, onward. You ever seen that one? No, An animated one. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a family man, you know. So I got my grandkids. So okay. It's uh. You got grandkids? It's a, yeah, two How? grandkids, man. Wow. Yeah, two That's grandkids. Good. That's why when I seen Stay Puffed over there, my oh. oldest one, Ethan. What's up, Ethan? He uh he he loves Stay Puffed. Really? Yeah, yeah. He did, loves did, Ghostbusters. Did did did, did uh, he watch the new Ghostbusters, the one with the women? No, 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 not that one. I won't, I won't let him watch that. Yeah, man, me neither. <laughs> I didn't even watch it because I don't even. No, like I watched it. I watched it because I like grew up. It? Yeah, I grew up with ghosts, but it was all right. You know, it wasn't. But that new one coming out is. They got a new one. Yeah. What the old guys or? Yeah, the OG, the OG oh, wow. ones. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah. You, now, now let me ask you this: Are you a night out? Do you like staying up real late? Nah, not, not anymore, man. No. No, that's when I was young. See, I still yeah, do. <laughs> I still do. I love, love uh, staying up late. And getting up early for early yeah. breakfast. And since I don't have the fucking gym anymore, yeah. I go to the park, do my cardio, yeah. push-ups, sit-ups, whatever I got to do. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I like staying up late, man. Nah, I used to stay up late when I was younger. Me and my mm. brother, Spanx, okay. flipping through channels. I recently said, I'm on channel eight. Uh, of course. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, uh, uh, we used to have um, on TV, yeah. okay, or select TV. Okay. And then you have to have to tweak it. And as soon as you hear that, that was a porn. You're like... <laughs> Wahale way, because yeah, my mom yeah, and dad were in the yeah, room, yeah, yeah. you know. Put on mute. Yeah, exactly. But but let me tell you what movie I've seen that I really enjoyed, uh, The Last Star Wars. Okay. It, and it's kind of embarrassing because I'm a faithful Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Star Wars, and I, I'm a faithful supporter when it comes to their movies. I go to the movies to go watch them. But this one, I think it was Rise of the Skywalker. Okay. Is the shit. Is it? Is the I shit. Seen it. Okay. Anybody that doesn't like Star Wars unsubscribe yeah okay you're out of here pal but yeah i'm a huge star wars fan I, i'm not a i'm not a trekkie i'm not a yeah. uh well, star trek fan yeah but anyways man enough about me let's talk about you where were you originally uh, raised man raised in the in the valley san fernando valley okay san fernando valley i was uh i was born in michoacan michoacan mexico somewhere really yeah. michigan uh, michigan yeah <laughs> so uh tarasco right there so um Came over here when I was maybe about, I don't know if a year or, or eight months to a year or something like that. I was a baby. Okay. So I was raised in uh, in the east side of the Valle. The okay. Valley. And that's where you went to schools? What schools did you go out there? Or I went to elementary schools. I went to I went to El Dorado Elementary, Herrick Elementary, Noble Elementary. 
I went to like three or four different ones. Okay, why three or four different ones? We were just moving everywhere. Okay, yeah, not because we you were a troublemaker? No, 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 that was elementary, yes. Okay. I didn't start making trouble till junior high. <laughs> and then okay. uh, junior high, I went to uh, Sepulveda Junior High, man. Big shout out to Sepas out there, man. Sepas. That's yeah, the first time I ever heard of This is Sepulveda right here. Yeah, it goes all the way up there. Wow. So that's the only junior high. Junior high, I went to, I went to another... Um, kind of like a continuation because i got into something okay and then i went back to junior high so okay in high school high school i went to a bunch of high schools now right there that's for being a troublemaker so Travieso, huh? yeah san okay. fernando high shout out to the tigers the tigers i was a tiger king back then Th that'll work <laughs> hell yeah now i went there i went to kennedy high monroe high got kicked out a couple of them and then i ended up at a probation school say Probation. So you went to three different high schools before the continuation? About four, about four different high schools. Damn. Okay. What were you doing? You got to get... You, no, no. <laughs> tell me a little it, bit, bro. It, it, it's because where I was living and they was sent, the, the high school that I was supposed to go to, they'll send me there, but you know, you had different hoods. Yeah. So they were like, you sure there's going to be no problems? Like, nah, we're good. My mom's right there. Like, no, está bien, you know. And yeah. Walking out, the dean's like, are you sure you're going to be good? And, yeah, it's all good. And then... Walking out, I get hit up, and eh, da, da. and he's like, no, 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 send them somewhere else. But then the school they were going to send me to, I couldn't go to for sure. And then they sent me to another one, so it was just bouncing like that. Till I was on probation during pretty much my whole high school. Okay, uh, for doing what? Just being, you know, doing, bad boy. doing what we do. Yeah, you know, you get into to the streets, into the gang life, and, yeah. you know, it comes with it. So, uh, yeah, I went to a probation school, and... Which, I, I mean, I messed up because I when I left high school, I left in 10th grade to the probation school, and they jumped me to 12th grade. Like, oh. I, like I did the, the test and all that, you know, they uh -huh. jumped me to 12, and my ass still didn't graduate. You... <laughs> okay. I still wanted to, you know, <laughs> be in the streets. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I regret uh, it. Uh, and your family, brothers and sisters, man? I got one brother, older brother, and I got three sisters, one younger, two older. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny. I I, I like that. I, how was it being? Because last time I interviewed somebody here, I think he told me he had like five sisters. I don't remember which guy it was yeah. at. But uh, I have four sisters, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's it's, it's kind of crazy because being raised with sisters, you know, uh, I learned a lot, a lot, believe it or not, music from them. Yeah. You know, a lot of them, like, it was... 80s so they liked yeah. a lot of oldies and yeah. new wave yeah. my brothers they loved funk uh chicago boss gags uh les zeppelin whatever so i got pretty much you, a mix yeah, yeah. What, what type of music would you say was played in your home growing up my sisters they, they pretty much played like like gruperas you know like los bookies and you know the spanish spanish okay. group ones but they did play like 80s uh you know okay um old school the freestyle ones uh my brother he he was the one he act, he's actually the one that got me into rapping because he was he was into the old school hip-hop really know, old cool j and okay you know, all the old school ones so and then my pops got me into ccr you know credence clearwater and, mm -hmm. and and he used to bump like spanish oldies los Opson, you know the terricolas and all that so it's, yeah. it's a little mixture también but i was always in my own little world in any of the schools you went to, did you play any sports? Nah, man. No? Nah? How come? I mean, how come? you just never want to try baseball, soccer, uh, boxing? I, I wouldn't even dress for PE, Volleyball? Bro. Nah, okay. I wouldn't even dress for PE. I was, I was just in that mentality that, right. you know, right. which, which I do, I regret, you know, because, right. you know, 
What about any of your kids? You ever get them involved in any of the sports? I, they're they've been in boxing. Yeah, kickboxing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. When I was younger, my brother would take me to a gym in Compton, and he taught me a little bit how to box. And, yeah. You know, I wish I could have pretty much stayed in it or played a little bit more sports yeah. or whatnot, but didn't. Um, now, uh, you remember your first job? First job, I was uh, uh, at a retirement home. Yeah, what were you doing there? I was a server in the kitchen. Really? And it was during high school because I was on probation. So they were like, my PO came in and he's like, look, for every F you get, uh, I'm going to give you two weeks in juvie. You go back to juvie. So I was like, all right. So, you know, teachers knew me. You know, they were cool. They were cool with right. me. So they were like, you know, just try, at least try something, you know. And then I was even in music class and I would play the trumpet. Really? <laughs> he's like, at least try it and you'll get a D and that passes you. So I'm like, all right, so I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to go back to, to juvie. So, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, just being a knucklehead, like. You know, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? What juvenile hall was it that you went to? Selmar. Selmar. Okay. Over here is Los Padrinos. Yeah, That's they were. The second time I went, the 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 sheriff comes out and he's like, you know what? If they were gonna send you to LP, I would have just kicked you loose right now because it's crazy right there right now. Yeah. But then they ended up sending me to somewhere. That'll work, man. Uh, uh, so now you were, how long did you work there at the retirement home? The retirement home, I worked about a year and a half or something. Okay. Uh, you know, so like I was saying before, like, because I forgot the question. <laughs> no, no, it, it was I'm like, first. Ernie G now. What up, Ernie G? <laughs> no, all good, brother. Uh, you were telling me your first job was yeah, a retirement home? It was a retirement home. It was a, a server in the kitchen. And, and then I, it was just me, right? Because like I said, I was on probation. So I went in, you know, to try to, you know, keep away from all that. And then I brought my homies in. Hey, they're hiring. And I brought my other homie in. And there was like five of us in there. And we used to mess with the viejitos, man. We used to, <laughs> we used to clown. Shame on yeah, you. Yeah, I know, I know. They had a, they used to play pool. They had a pool table in the, in the second floor. So we would finish our, you know, quick, you know, serve and clean and finish, you know? Yeah. I was like 14 years old, 15. And we used to go upstairs and play pool. We're like, let's shoot some pool. All right, cool. And then we'll make all this noise. And then they'll come out and they'll be like, who's out there? I'm going to report you. So we'll hide under the, the, the table or behind the bushes. And we'll be like, we'll yell out their name. Like if it was Arnold, we'll be like, Arnold, I'm here for you. I'm finally. <laughs> I know. We were, we were, we were travesos, man. Yeah. It's over, bro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm getting there, though. So, All know. good, brother. <laughs> All good. You know, you know, now let me ask you this. I never asked anybody here. It's probably a goofy question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, how old were you when you got your first girlfriend? My first girlfriend, I was probably like 10. Still, is it 10? Yeah, bro. Damn. Okay. 10. Hey, hey, I see that fail. Hey, I've been. You Obviously, know, I've she always see had, you that way. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always had luck. For real? Yeah, yeah. Probably got charm, charisma, yeah, pizzazz. Exactly, exactly. Okay, wow. Humor, the, sense of humor. Yeah, sense of humor. See, you keep them laughing and don't forget you're ugly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now, now, uh, uh, how old was she? Was she about the same age or what? Yeah, yeah, she had to be the same age. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Well, shout out to her. What's her name? Shout out. Uh, <laughs> my wife is going to be like, what? Yeah, shout out to uh, Gretchen. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, brother. So so now, uh, now let's get into the hip hop. When you started first listening to hip hop, what were some of the groups that you were first started listening? Maybe not influenced, but just listening to. You know what? My first cassette was Houdini. 
Really? Yeah, Houdini. I remember my brother, LL Cool J and Houdini. Okay. I think LL was like the first legit from Tower Records okay. cassette, you know? Now, was that his first album? That was his first album. No, no, his second album. Second, second album. album. Okay. And Houdini was from the, from the, you don't see him anymore, but the, you know, the, 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 the guy that was selling with the, with his caja, the music, selling music in his boxes, cassettes. Okay. You remember they used to go around right. with their... Selling cassettes in the corners and right, walking yeah. around. Okay. So that's that's what I bought Houdini. So it was like a bootleg. Right. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah, it was, was a fucking bootleg. You know, and, I and couldn't even read the the song name. It's all yeah, smeared. Todo even, borroso, yeah. Huh? yeah, okay. And, and what, what Houdini was that? Was that the Five Minutes of Funk one? I think uh, it was. Friends? I think it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I remember, I believe, was I was a long in, time ago. Fuck, I was in high school when that shit came yeah, out, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was maybe 10th grade. But, um, uh, other than that, LL, Houdini, give me a couple other names that you used to listen to back then. Back then, like just whatever was on the radio. Okay. Because my brother used to, like I said, my brother, big shout out to Spanky Spanks. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he got me into it. So he used to, you know, whatever he was listening to. And he, he but uh, I mean, he, he brought everything. Like he brought the Fat Boys. Yeah. And, and uh, Run DMC, of course, you know, mm -hmm. anything that was popping back then. Okay. Then actually my first, the first song I ever wrote was to Dana Dane. The Cinefella Dana Dane. Yeah. And Snoop flipped it as West. That's the first beat I wrote to. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because the first time I, when I was the first, I think it was the first time, there was a club out here. Let me rephrase that. Not a club, it was a hall, okay, called Casa. Mm -hmm. uh, Casa Camino Real, okay, and it was here downtown. Everybody used to call it Casa for short. It was the first time me going there and Dana Dane was performing there. Oh, okay. And he had his DJ, uh, Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so dope because Dana Dane had the mic and he was telling his DJ what to scratch. I'm going to make this noise and you go ahead and you cut it up. So he would be like, that type of shit. Yeah. And then the DJ, like, mimic shit was fucking amazing, bro. It was dope. They need to bring that back. They need to bring that back. Well, you know. You need to bring that back, Tony. There's only one of me. Exactly. Uh, only maybe, one it, wizard. Yeah, yeah. There's only one wizard, bro. Yeah. So, uh, I would like to, but see, I think that's what's missing today. It is. You know, it's what's missing today. Is, but today when they hire people, see, here's the problem: when they hire people, they'll give them ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. That's not even enough time to set up your fucking turntables, yeah. bro. Yeah. You know, you you're gonna spend more time setting them up than actually performing. Than actually performing, yeah. You know, uh, I would like to, and I still have it, and I still got. Yeah. Dope turntables. Yeah. You know, mine are, mine are fucking clean. I'm waiting for the right time. Much much love, much respect to my boy, Doc Nasty. He's my MC, mm -hmm. And I would like to do, eventually, a roadie and radio tour. Uh, uh, and what I mean by that is mm -hmm. rent halls yeah. uh, and, and throw performances and parties in yeah. there, you know, and just play nothing but old school. No new yeah, shit. Yeah, that's dope. No, no mumble rap. It's out of here, yeah. you know, yeah. from 80s and 90s. That's it. So I want to I, do that. I guarantee you, you'll sell that out. You'll sell I, every show out. I, I, I would because that's what it's, that's what's missing right now. Yeah, I, I truly do believe that, man. Um, now, um, Houdini, Fat Boys, whatever, LL, whatever, what you said. From there, uh, what did you begin to listen to as a teenager? As far as uh, teenager was, yeah. then that's when you know I got introduced. So you know, people got introduced to the whole NWA. Of course. Know, the West Coast or gangster rap or mm -hmm. reality rap, you know how they used to call it. So right. once you start getting into that, you know, and it's kind of, it's funny because what, the way I see it is we, 
you know, now kids listen to it and they, they go back and they know the history. They know everything is dope, you know, but we were living through it yeah. as it was happening. So the way I see it is it's like the soundtrack to our lives, you know, our stories. Absolutely. So, you know, NWA came in. I was still I was still too young to notice like, hey, they don't cuss on the radio or they don't say fuck the police, you know. I was too young to notice. Now I notice, like, oh, shit, you know, back then it wasn't like that, you know. Right. But that's, you know, you start getting into it. and See, and that's the difference with today's music is that back then, all that shit was new. Yeah. You know, NWA came out. It had the sticker, you know, that. Uh, uh, Parental. Yeah. Advisory. Exactly. And what happens is, is that you couldn't buy it unless you were an adult, mm. you know. Um, or from the bootlegger. Yeah, off on the bootleg, pretty much, you know. But like you said, it was a soundtrack to our pretty much our youth. Yeah, and it was very true back then. Back then, also gangs were at an all time fucking That's, high. Yeah, that was yeah. you know fucking crack was sweeping the streets like a wildfire. Yeah. You know, uh, shows were amazing back then. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Everything was pretty much still somewhat new here in the West Coast, and it was exploding all at one time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had a big hut here. The yeah, other day, yeah, you know, I've seen it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Above the Law, Michelle, DOC, all in the same gang album, the Easy E album, Straight Outta Compton album, um, it, other, other shit that just came out of there, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, probably the most talented record label ever, mm -hmm. you know, uh, at that time, yeah. And then, if you will, Death Row, I believe that, yeah, you know, yeah. took over, yeah. but um. It's very, very true. There will never be another time like that. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way I see it. That's why yeah. now, music. The way I see it, music. You know, music is just everywhere right now. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't want to tune into the radio. A lot of people do the thing. So you can't really like say, oh, okay, you know, this, this is a dope time to, you know. But they they can't take that away from us. We grew up yeah. where music was hot, and like you said, it was gangs. You were into gangs, you know. So it's like a soundtrack to you. you absolutely, know? absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, now, around what age would you say you began to start writing? I started writing when I was about maybe like nine or ten years old. Okay. And it, what, what do you think encouraged that? Well, this is what it is. My, you know, we, we, we didn't have money growing up, you know? Okay. So when my sisters or my mom or anyone in my family had a birthday, I didn't have no money. So I would go on out write kind of poetry, okay. poems for them that'll rhyme. You know, I'll probably be embarrassed now if I read them. So that's how I started rhyming and rhyming. You know, give it to my mom. You okay. know, hey, you know, so, something. You know, started like, there. Like, like, what kind of what kind of poetry was that? Roses <laughs> are red. So then you're nah. I mean, nah, it was, I was still too young for that. But okay, it it was mostly like you know, like you know, te quiero, mamá, you know, da da da, hermana, you know, something like that, you know. So right. that's how it started. And then when I started writing rhymes, because my brother tried to, he tried to, he was trying to rap, you know, back okay. in the days. So. How was he? Was he any good? Yeah. I know, you know he's watching. I know he's watching. So, so. Yeah, man, he's the best, man. Yeah, yeah. His rhymes are yeah. number one. <laughs> nah, he's he he's good. He's he he influenced me. And but see, I was embarrassed to show him my rhymes. I was always embarrassed. I would write stuff and I was embarrassed. I would rap it, you know, in my little cardboard box, dentro and wrap it to myself, you know, and and I was always embarrassed till one day he you know, people would tell him like, Hey your brother, your brother flows, your brother flows. And I must have been like 11, 10, 11 years old. 
And he's like, uh, let me see, let me see. Spit. And he was like, oh, shit. I'm like, this who can flow. Yeah. Like, you know? Okay. And you were about 10 or 11? I, I was about 10, 11. Okay. And when we started flowing, like, you know, just writing. Uh, we just started rapping to, like, going to parties and rapping when I was more, like, 13, 14. Okay. 15, Do you remember what instrumentals you used to rap to or if you did? Everything that was... There, is there one that sticks out? Nah, just... Anything just whatever, whatever, whatever you was, felt, whatever was bouncy and okay. more bounce for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, was there any one rapper that you could say I emulated my style to his or like you know because of his style? Not not emulated, but there was a rapper that later on I uh, I was I was following a lot. I was a big fan of was Mac Ten. Okay. What, what, what do you think was about him that stood out? I don't know. It was just, it was just, you know, it was a G. I mean, it was always G shit, you know. Everybody brought that G shit, but it was, it was a little different, you know. I don't know, some something, just, just. Okay. Always, you know. Do you remember the name of the first song you ever wrote? Uh, yeah, it was uh, in the P A C O I M A. Oh, okay. <laughs> you still remember it? Nah, I mean, I have it somewhere, but I don't remember it. All right. <laughs> I don't believe you, but my memory is bad. All right. Yeah. Now, um. Who did you meet or who did you, um, if you will, um, help you bring things together to start, let's start recording type of deal? Did you have a homie that had a turntable? Did he have a cassette deck, records? How did that happen? The When we first started recording, my homie Vamp. Okay. Big shout out to him. We say Vamp? Yeah, that's what they call them. Like Vampiro? Vampiro, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had a homie named Vampy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, Vampy, yeah. Okay. So... We used to go to his pad, and he he used to have some beat up as uh, uh, headphones. Headphones, but all the you know the eighties ones, right? As a microphone. Oh shit! And we used to jump a window to go to a you know a little studio, jump the window, and he's like, all right, right here. We're gonna start, just start flowing, you know. And all right, and he was over there like hitting record and pause and record, and and we started freestyling. So that's the first tape we recorded. It was a freestyle, and I remember. He would he would freestyle like ba 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 ba. My freestyle was my freestyle was shitty, bro. My freestyle shit. I'm hey, honest. You're honest. I'm honest. I can't freestyle. People that know me, I can't freestyle. But give me like I can't battle you. But give me twenty minutes, I won't write you a verse. I'll you know I'll I'll spit it from the head. Okay. Rhyming, but I can't sit there and battle. You know? Okay. So right there, I would it it was a blessing to do that because. He, he had it on tape so we we're bumping it going to work to the retirement home hmm. he and he's he's bumping it and he's like oh his part's coming out and then my part comes in and i'm like oh shit like man i'm fucking whack i'm like oh, man <laughs> he said i'm fucking whack yeah for real i was like man i better learn how to dance or something you right know? right at I, least rap the him, hammer <laughs> roger rabbit something something so I went back, and it's a blessing because I went back, and I go, you know what? I'm going to write my shit, and I'm going to write it, and I'm going to memorize it, and okay. that's how I did it. And then I went back, and all right, let's record this now. And he was like, damn, who's that a freestyle? I'm like, it's not a freestyle, but, you know. I wrote that shit. I wrote that shit. And then he used to play, um, later on, we played uh, Cypress Hill, their second album, um, Black Sunday. If I'm correct, Yes. Because I know Temple of Boom was the third one. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And it was a, a instrumental. It was like maybe a minute or two minutes. It sounded like Godzilla in the background. Okay. I use that. And I, I, I put uh, those little recorders that you hit record and it records everything. Right. And I played it on the stereo. 
and I just rap to it like what I had written uh-huh. and then I showed my boy I think he's still bumping that cassette to this day really? he, he used to go to school and bump it hey who's that who's that cause yeah. I, I actually sat down and I was like you know what let me let me write shit that makes sense that rhymes you know okay. it doesn't sound you know okay and, and people at, loved it at that time did you already had a rap name or no you were just still discovering that you can rap <laughs> I didn't have a rap it was uh, Sleepy's been my, my street name Okay, well, why Sleepy? I, I know uh, it's pretty say, much self-explanatory, they, but I want you to tell us. <laughs> they just say because of my eyes, but one of my uh, one of my boys, he, uh, they used to call him Sleepy. Because they used to call me Pee-wee. Okay. I, I was a skinny, believe it or not, I was a skinny, skinny dude. And he's like, yo, you know what? They they used to call me Sleepy, so yo, I'll baptize you with that name, Sleepy. Plus, your eyes are always like you're asleep. And you know, I'm like, all right, so... That's what they call me, but my first first rap name, not a lot of people know this, was Brown Man. Brown Man. <laughs> Did you ever like stand like if if you knew the cover I wanted to do, dude, it was like Okay, share. You gotta share now. You you opened your mouth. Tell me about the cover. <laughs> it was gonna be like the bat signal. Okay. But, but with the brown fist. Okay. You know what I mean? And like brown man. I don't know if standing like that, but all right, that'll work. That's Maybe like was, like Cholo Fitz. Yeah, on. something like that. Like yeah, that'll work, man. <laughs> now, what made you change that? I just I was like, uh, it, it won't work. You're like that was whack. Yeah, man. Like, that was whack. Okay. I, I put that in the box with my freestyle. Here you go, boom. Okay, check this right out, man. Box. We're gonna go ahead and press pause right there. We're gonna come back. We're gonna take a ten minute break, and uh, uh, we're gonna get into. Uh, people have been asking, is it Sleepy Model or Sleep E Model? Okay, and then we're gonna talk about your uh, releases and um, what can people expect from you. Sounds good. So once again, everybody, um, we're gonna take a 10 minute break. We'll be right back. Our next guest should be pulling up. And so make sure to call somebody, text somebody, pay somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, and let her know that Sleepy Model's in the motherfucking building. The Prince of Pacoima is in the place to be. Take us away, Johnny. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodian Radio, episode 49, and that was John motherfucking Elkins on the beat, y'all. Yeah, he just worked it up. Anyways, uh, let me go ahead and jump right back into it. Uh, Sleepy Malo, how... Oh, no, you had something that you wanted to share with us first. Yeah, I got, I got you something. I got you something for your birthday. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, let me go For my boy Blasto. Mini... Mini Micheladas, yeah. Oh, wow. So, Mini Micheladas. Much love, much respect to you. Thank you. He said it ain't strong at all, so put half the bottle in there. That'll work. Nah, I'm just saying. (laughs) Or just pour the beer in there. Yeah, he said just pour the beer in there. That'll work, man. Muchas gracias. Yeah. Thank you. And then I got another, you know, I've I've been following you since since the first show, so I'll be seeing your table right here. So, I know you've been representing DC with Harley Quinn, but... Right, you I gotta have the main man in here. Yeah, you gotta dope. have Batman in here. Desert Batman. That's dope. I almost said dessert. <laughs> dope, dope. Hey, you I'm know, put it on the table. People that, that that really know me, they I got a huge collection, like a DC uh, collection. Uh, uh, oh, for real? Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Mainly Batman, but it's DC. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I collect you know a what? Lot I, of stuff. I thought I saw you in a porn one time. You were butt yeah, naked yeah. with a Batman mask. Is yeah, that you? Well, that'll be part two when you, when you oh, bring it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That'll work. That'll work. That's cool. <laughs> You know what? Uh, uh, let me put this. Um, let's put this right here for promo. Damn! I see all the chili in here. Yeah. That shit look. Oh yeah! I'm about to bust that out with uh, my next special guest. You got it. Uh, now, 
uh, sleepy model. How, how did that name come up? Because you know, when I posted that, that flyer, mm-hmm. people were like, hey man, it's sleepy, yeah. not sleep E. Yeah. Why did you change it? I, I just changed it because, you know, this year I'm, I'm starting to, I'm bringing out a new album. Okay. And it's, it's like on a new style, catching up with the times, but still keeping it, you know, kind of okay. G, you know, something good. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just, and then, I mean, you know, this from Instagram, you get a lot of haters. They, they, they're always shutting down your Instagram Yeah. since day one. And especially since I started, uh, Mob G Entertainment, uh, I begin a lot of, they'll shut me down or, or YouTube, hey, you know, did you know that you were blocked over here and this and that with my name, like a lot of stuff with my name. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start fresh and I don't want to, cause I was going to be like, like a sleepy M right. S Malo. But then I thought about it. If I put S Malo on a Jersey, while I see Malo and the ladies are gonna be like, oh, that fool. He's pretty small, though, you know? Right, right. Tachiquito, <laughs> Tachiquito. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what I mean? So, I was like, you know, just sleep E, you know. Still okay. Still sleepy malo, but it's just, you know. Still the same name, just built a little bit different. Yeah, and then I just, cop, you know, did the copyright thing and did, did the whole thing. Did it right. Just, you know, upcoming music that's okay. coming out. Now, are you going to have that taken off your arm? No, I'm going to I'm gonna have a... My boy Wicked's gonna work on a. He has a pattern to do it. Oh, that'll yeah. work. That'll, okay, now He'll why is it word Malo? Porque eres Malo? Malo, you know what? The, the name started when I. After the Brown Man okay. era. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was gonna do Sleepy Hollow. Because I was like, Hollow, Hollow sounds dope. You know, Hollow Tip, Hollow, Hollow. And then I started thinking and I was like, nah, just something that sounds like Hollow. So I just said Sleepy Malo, you know, in Spanish. And, and then I thought about it. I was like, people that hear it, they're going to be like, yeah, I heard of Sleepy Hollow, but they're thinking Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. But they'll be like, yeah, I think I heard of it. You know, that was my theory. I don't know. What about Halloweeny? Yeah. <laughs> That's another Halloweeny. Yeah, exactly. So now, at what point did, or who did you hook up with that you started recording? Like, what was was there like one homie like, hey, you know, let's go over here. My homie's got a studio or. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what happened. Okay. Um, my, my homie Ghost, he was staying in a. I had a boy that we called Mac 10 because he looked like Mac 10. Okay. So my boy Mac 10, he lived in the house and in the in the back house, Vivia, my 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 boy Ghost. Okay. He knew about the rapping. I mean, we were doing the whole, you know, the same story everybody has. Parties, you know, rapping at parties and da-da-da, you know. So like a neighborhood star, you know. And when my boy Ghost, he uh, he's like, hey, you know what? I, I know somebody. I know somebody that's that's trying to put something together. He's like, matter of fact, I think I think he has a I think he has a record out. He goes, let me hit him up. I haven't talked to him in a minute. Okay. And that's when he he called up. It was Mr. D. Okay. So he that's South, when I, Southland Entertainment. Southland. And this was before Southland. There was still no Southland. It was still it was nothing. It was just he just had his CD. I think barely pressed. Okay. And so we went, and that's when I met him. We went to his pad. Around what year was that? I was like in ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And did you sign anything with them, or you just started recording there at his spot? At, at at that point in time, we just started. We were recording. He had uh, it was it was because he it was him. He had the COA click. Shout out to COA click. He had sniper, and he had big spider. Shout out to them, you know. And when we came in, I came in. I had my brother Spanks, Ghost, Vamp, 
uh, we were the fearless crowd, you know, like the crowd. He never wore like a cape on the Nah. Just had to ask. That's a cool name. I'll ask him, a ver, maybe escondidas in his closet. closet. With his girlfriend, <laughs> so. No wonder my Batman cape was missing one day. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so that, yeah, you empezó todo. From there, we just started recording, man. We went to, uh, to record, and uh, Big Spider was doing, the first album was uh, Pac Town Riders. Okay, now, was that your solo album? No, 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 that was a comp. Compilation. Because at, thi at this point, there was no one, no one in the Valle, no one in the 818 that was representing. I mean, I'm sure there was, pero no one was doing it. You know, at that next level. Okay. Uh, you know, legit studios, everything, you know, on wax, whatever. So they were looking for, they were putting this thing together, Packtown Writers. Um, Packtown is, you know, for Pacoima. So it was like a neighborhood thing. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, well, I'm from Pacoima and, you know, I can flow. So that I would, you know, they weren't just throwing anybody on there, you know. So went to the studio, started rapping. And, and like I said, I already had verses. Okay. Memorized, so I walked in and boom, 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 like ten minutes, I'm out. You know? Yeah, that'll so work. So they were like, "All right, cool, cool, dope." So then from there, it was like, "All right, now let me get you on this. Now let me get you on that. Now let me get you on this." My theory was always get on everything, get on everything they throw me, you know, throw at me. I was 19, you know, so I was hungry, you know, I, I wanted it. You wanted to get your name it out there, fresh, well. yeah. And then the whole uh, Chicano rap was like emerging you know right. whatever they labeled us you know right so it was hot it was fresh everything was dope you know so it was like uh all right you know you know i'm hungry let's let's do it so any any verse came at who if, if homeboy was whack if homeboy could rap if homeboy whatever right i'll give my 100 percent always and and that's one thing i tell my son and i tell all the youngsters or anybody coming up that if somebody's trying to work with you and they're like, ah, that fool can't rap. That fool's whack. Ah, just tirale lo que sea, you know. And you know, you get paid for it. Nah, never do that. Always give your one hundred percent. Yeah. Every verse, you know. Yeah, that's true. Because you're gonna stand out even more. You yeah. know what I mean? And you always know that the dude that can't rap, he's gonna hustle twice as hard as you to get it out there. So your name's gonna go out out there, you know. So I've done I've done stuff for a lot of people, and at that point, I was just everything that they'll throw at me. You know, every album, every this, 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 boom, 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 I tell, I tell, I tell, I tell, and that's, that's pretty much how Okay. I just came out and then working, when I worked on my album, it was going to be a, a Fearless Crowd album, that's the, the, the group we had. Okay. And. Who, what, what did that group, who did that consist of, <clears throat> who was in it? That was, uh, doing the lyrics, rapping, it was Ghost, Spanky, Spanky Spankaho, uh, Vamp, and myself. Okay. And then we had homies like Rest in Peace, my road dog Joker, you know, he passed away. Um, so we we had, you know, homies rolling with us at a, you know, from the crowd, you know, this and that. But just lyrically representing, it was just us back then. But as time went on, we got, you know, like people like Clumsy Boy, you know, Wicked, you know, a lot of different, different uh, okay. artists just came in, you know, and... That album was supposed to be the first album was supposed to be a Fearless Crowd album, but uh, I think things didn't go. I mean, didn't go as planned. With, I, I think with Ghost and Vamp, and so we were just like, you know what, just make a solo album. Because I was doing a so I was writing a solo album on the side of that. Okay. So we just mushed it together and just it was all street. Like I said, it was back then. It was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. 
you know, the lyrics were, you know what I mean? I, I go back sometimes and I'm like, man, I said that, you know, <laughs> it is we, what it is, you know, but it, it was raw. It was raw and it was like gang banging right. and, and, you know, yeah, but it is, it is what it is, you know. Now, now, when you guys were releasing those those compilations, was it, was it taking off? I mean, were you guys making noise? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well, from there, that that's when we we came together and we were like, um, it was Mr. D Productions. Okay. And then from there, we were like talking about it, and we're like, all right, you know, we gotta, you know, we're going legit with a record label. Right. All right, boom, 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 and then we're like, all right, Southland Records, and that's when Southland started, and Southland Southland made noise. Right. Southland Records made noise. How long were you there for before you ventured out on your own? I was there for like probably 10, 10 15 years. Really? I carried that label for for about 10 years, bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You said I carried that label. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm just being honest, you know, because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people come and go in the okay. label. A lot of people came and went, came and went, came and went, came and went. And I, I stuck, you know, stuck to it. I stayed loyal to it, so... Right, right, okay. Yeah, I was representing, yeah. Uh, uh, your first album drops. Mm -hmm. Okay, what was the name of that one? The Same Streets. The Same Streets. And how did that do for you? That one did good. Yeah. And, and back then, digital wasn't even... Right. It wasn't even out yet. When my first album dropped, I think it was, you know, apenas estaba naciendo, you know? So we used to get hard copies, you know, back in the days. And, right. And it, it, the same story, out the trunk, selling them out the trunk, you know? Yeah. People will come at me and like kids, everybody. Hey, uh, how much? Ten bucks. Hey, I only got three bucks. Fuck it. Then boom, I only got five. Whatever they had, boom, boom. You know. Wow. And I still have the notepad, a notebook in my pad, both pages, columns, each line, what I sold, for how much. Boom, boom. I mean, a bunch of pages. I on the streets. I made. I made. You know, like I said. The whole Chicano rap thing right. was fresh. Okay. Now, uh, um, who were some of your producers? Uh, let's just say on the first compilation that you were part of. Do you remember? On the first ones, it was... Uh, I know we had Kryptonite. Shout out to to MC Kryptonite because he was the first one that they okay. I actually worked with as a producer. Um, other than that, it, it was a lot of Jack Beats, man. It was a lot of, you know, no, no, no really... No one really producing. It was just like I got this beat, like boom, a let's rap over your ass sample. Or, okay. And I know there was there was a lot of there was a lot of dudes that would send in beats, like producers. Hey, you know what? This is my beat. But I I never really paid attention, like, because I wasn't behind the scenes right there. I wasn't like, they weren't sending them straight to me. Right. Yeah, they were sending them to the label. So then you know they'll be like, hey, uh, I, you know, I got this song, I got this song, I, you know, or else I would have been giving shout outs to like producers okay. and all that. You, know? you know, one thing I never, I don't think I ever asked the, uh, was there any females signed to um, um, to Southland? Yeah, when I was there, I don't think there was any. No, no, huh? no. Okay, and and uh, now let me ask you this: You still remember the first time you took the stage? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got a story for that too. Share it, man. It was Santa Barbara. Big shout out to Santa Bruta, man. That's my second home. Right there. Santa Bruta. Yeah, Santa Bruta, East Side, man. What's up? They're my family over there, man. They're, I love them. Shout out to Sad Boy. Get out. Free Sad Boy. So um, we did. That was our first show out there. Okay. And I remember uh, they're like, hey, uh, go buy it. We got to buy some wardrobe. Our first show. Yeah, yeah. Well, what am I going to wear with my first, you know, first show? 
So we go down to San Fernando Mall, and it was a People's, I think it was People's or Casanova store. And I bought a Guayabera, bro. No shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> My wife was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know. So I got a white. I got clown for that. For real? But I, I thought I was like, yeah, I'm going to look fresh, you know. So I go up there. But in the beginning, there was like, there. I don't know if people still do that. There was like 50 motherfuckers on stage when we were performing. Really? Yeah, everybody would do that. And back, you know, when it started, everybody wanted their homies. So like 30 fools on stage and we're rapping. And then when it's my part, I'm one of the shortest ones. So you can't even see me when I'm rapping. And I, I still got video of it. Wow. I got video of the first show wow. out there at a high school. Did you guys have more people on stage than off stage? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty packed. Back then, the shows were packed. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because one thing I will say that DJing for High C or Quick and all those guys, we had security. Get the fuck off the stage. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That, if you ain't performing, get the fuck yeah. off the stage. No, over here, everybody. And, and I respect that. Not yeah. tell you what, because many times when you get so many people, they want to stand in front of the DJ. And nah, dude, get the fuck out of here, bro. You know, we we did uh we did uh we've been we've been to Japan a couple of times. Okay. And one of the time, every time I go, you know, I'll take a couple of my boys. You know, yeah. let's go, let's go, let's go. And there was this one time when we went. And one of the dudes, he was just there to take pictures. Like, ah, oh, you're going to be the one taking pictures. Pfft. End of the night, every show, he was in front of us doing this. And, and we're, hey, what the fuck? You? So we're all fighting on stage with him. And, you know, and he's he's over here doing this, trying to. I'm like, no pictures. No pictures, nothing. And I'm like, dude, you you know, you, you don't even rap. You don't do anything. Like, at least dance, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, one thing I will say this. I will say this. And this is not a put down. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the fuck it is. But. I met a lot of Chicano rappers, okay? And I met guys that, oh, that's my homie. That's like my backup right there. Yeah. Like anybody wants to throw putazo, yeah. that's the dude right yeah. there. Three months later, this guy will hit me up. Hey, man, I'm rapping now, homie. Yeah. You get a yeah. lot of those dudes, yeah. bro. Like, okay. I, I know. I know a few of them. Calm the fuck yeah. down, bro. Yeah. You know, stay in your lane. Yeah. Throw some putazos, you yeah. know. But they want to rap yeah. because they want a little bit of that shine. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want to discourage them. But here's my thing: if if you're not good, you're not good. Yeah, you know. But but you'll be you'll be amazed though. Some of these dudes, they don't get it. They don't get it. I don't know if they're tone deaf or some. Well, no, let's hit on. But <laughs> you know what I mean? They or, don't, or titty. Yeah, they don't get it. Like, homie, you know, a, a million people telling you, you can you know? Yeah, calm the fuck down. Calm down. Yeah. But but that's what happened a lot, and I think that with the whole Chicano rap thing. Cause it was hot, and I think at at the time they were like, "Oh, this is a market right here. This is what's next." Yes. And like you said, everybody and their mama, yeah, oh, I'm a rapper too. They they seen that little shine you start and get, and then oh, I'm a rapper too, you know. And I think, I apologize for for cutting you no, off, no, it's okay. but I have to say this: I think that that's probably, and I say probably because I don't know mm -hmm. what might have fucked up this yeah. whole Chicano rap genre that it was over flooded with yeah. people that really had no business rapping. You know, I read a quote and I, I hope I, I don't butcher it, but it says something like, I miss the days when guys that couldn't rap didn't. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. I think there was a lot of guys that just said, fuck it, I'm going to rap. I could rap. I could rhyme cat with hat. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and a lot of these dudes, uh, they, a lot of, they had a lot of their fans were girls. 
because they will come out like, oh, I'm a pretty boy. I can't rap, but I'm pretty. So they'll they'll have a fan base with girls, you know what I mean? Right, so right. from there, they're like, yeah, well, I'm the shit. You know, I'm the shit, yeah. I'm the shit. But it's like, nah, food, sit your ass down. Or if they can't know? rap, they'll take off their shirt or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, okay. Anyways, so now um, you're working with Mr. D, Southland Entertainment. Are you, but you said it wasn't called that, that back then. How many albums would you say you did total with him before you decided to depart? With Southland, I did three albums. Okay. Three albums. Now, solo albums? Or yeah. Does that include all compilations? No, it, it was like probably like 200 compilations and like... Wow. No, nah, not that many, but a bunch of them and three solo albums. So it was the same streets. And then I brought back... Uh, second time, I brought Sleepwalking. Okay. And then the third one was Eternal Sleep. Yeah. And Which one out of those three would you say was your best one that uh, you like personally? Same Streets. Okay. Now, first one. The, why the first one? It was raw. It was just, it was like I said, the hunger was there. It was raw. It was. So it's safe to say second and third one, you weren't really that No, hungry? no, no. It, it was. Second one, I try to make it more like. I try to take more control over, like, ah, right, let me produce. Actually, the second one was DJ Fabe. From Lighter Shit of Brown, you okay. know, and rest in peace to DWTX, man. Lighter Shit of Brown, okay. he's he's a good on me. Um, he produced Sleepwalking, okay. so it, it was more because the same street was raw, like you know, a lot of samples in there. I had Frank V in there. Dope. Shout out to Frank V. Ever see uh, I know. I know. <laughs> he's got to he's got to appear sometime. Yeah. You know, believe me, once he appears. He'll be here. Yeah, yeah he'll yeah. be here because I've been knowing Frank for fucking years. Yeah, yeah so. I know him for a long time, though, man. So, so that it was that album, uh, and then the third album, it was it was a lot of samples, también. But it was with every with every album, you know, it's like everything with time. You right. practice, you get, you know, you get better, you get better, you get better. Two questions for you, okay? Who do you think, in your opinion, is the best Chicano rapper so far to have done it? Sleepy Malo, by far. Sleepy Malo by far. Number two. Number two that, that's done it, done it. I would say... I would say probably Little Rob. Little Rob. Okay. I mean, he's 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 out there, you know? Yeah. Because cause then again, like, you, you get the... Like, Baby Bash has done a lot of stuff. Right. But I don't know if he's considered... Okay. Chicano rap, you know? Okay. But I know that Little Rob has done a lot of stuff out there. Like, that's gone. Okay. You know? Uh, um, um, another one I was gonna say was uh, like Frank V. Proper those, but I I don't I don't consider them Chicano rap because there wasn't no Chicano rap when they were out. Right. You okay. know. So that's why I don't consider I consider Chicano rap when like ninety nine two thousands. Okay. To whatever. Okay. Wherever it is, you know. Now let me ask you the million dollar question: What is Chicano rap? Chicano rap is just a label they gave us, bro. A label they gave us okay and so say you're a white guy at a record label and i take you a demo oh chicano rap what would you think th that is I'll, you know i'll tell you a story when i was hustling out the trunk i walked into a store and the lady looks at me and she's like oh we don't sell chicano rap here and i'm like <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I, I started looking at her, at her display, you know, at all, all her, uh, everything she had. And she had, I mean, she had a uh, uh, MC8. She had uh, uh, all, all this gangster rap. So then I asked her, I'm like, why am I Chicano rap? Like, what's what's the difference? If I, if I speak about the streets, just like Game does right there, 
just like Quick does over here. You know, well, Quick's a little more, you know. And she, she didn't know what to say. And I'm like, why? What was the Chicano rap? Like, what's the difference? Right. She didn't know what to say. Now, let me ask you this. Is it a good thing to be considered a Chicano rapper? I think that in the game now, now, no. Okay. And, and that's just honest because a lot of people, and this is me being honest, if people get offended, we're getting clowned on. You know what I mean? Music, we're getting clowned on. Okay. What, 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 what do you think that is, though? Because, I don't know, music is just, I don't know if it's the, the, the generation that's out here now, or, but it, it just gets clowned on. But, I mean, it comes, it always comes from, in the beginning, all the whack fools that came out, you mm -hmm. know, and it was always the same covers, which I don't blame the record labels because everybody had like kind of the same cover and eight out of 10 were whack. So they're not going to see the other two. Like, I'm not going to take my chance on these two, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, I don't blame them. But now it's like, they, they just stereotype. They label you like, oh, Chicano rap. Oh, that means you're just going to rap over oldies. Or Pretty you're much. just gonna rap over more bounce downs, yeah. Pretty much. And that's what I'm saying. It's not good now that they tell you a Chicano rapper, which I, I hold pride in it. Like, you know, if that's what you want to call, that's what you label me. That was my story. I take it, but don't stereotype me. Right. You know, because right. any 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 of these new beats, whatever, I I can flow. Like I can I can do it. I can I can adapt to anything. It's just I don't nunca me dio ganas. Like I don't. My boys know. Like they they'll throw beats and they're like. I have boys that have been writing to like slow, slow beats, and they're like, nah, the fucking beat he's giving me, fucking solo, ah, he's hating on me. And I'll be like, nah, fool, how you spit, how you flow, what you say. Right. And I, I, I'll do it, and they're like, damn, fool, when you, when you do it, it sounds good. Right. You know, so it's, it's just, a, it's, it's about you, you know? Like, okay. like did flipping. you ever, in the rap game, did you ever experience anybody dissing you? Dissing? Nah, la neta, no. No? Okay. I was, you know what? I never, I've dissed a few. Really? Yeah. I won't mention their names because this that was years ago. That's good, man. Yeah. That's good. Uh, now, when you say a few, at least three, four? Yeah. Okay. Don't mention You don't have to mention their nah, names. No, no, no. You it, can and, just give me their initials. <laughs> I'm only playing. And, and, you, and you know what's funny? That people hit me up sometimes and they're like, hey, why'd you go with this so-and-so, man? That's my boy. Oh, you. I heard your song. You dissed him. And I'm like, what song? This... And homie, you know that's 20 years ago? Oh, shit, it is? Yeah. Oh, oh, my bad. Right, right. People change, bro. Yeah, yeah. People change. So, all good, man. Um, What can people expect today from Sleepy Model? Any any new projects? I know you mentioned that earlier, uh, uh, that you're working on something, you're getting ready to release a record. Uh, yeah. Fill us in. This whole uh, Corona thing slowed it down. Nah, I'm just blaming it on it. I'm, I'm, sl I'm slow to. <laughs> hey, 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 let me tell you something. Uh, uh, um, Esteban Oreo, he was here, and him and Cartoon, I believe, were supposed to host a uh, screening uh, South by Southwest. Uh, I believe it's in Texas, right, Johnny? It's in Texas, and they were going to. Uh, a film festival yeah they were going to enter their, their documentary in a film festival but he said but thanks to coronavirus yeah. you know it, it fucked up a lot of things yeah it, did. it fucked up it a lot did. of things and i'm just thankful that you know uh you're still able to come out here and sit down with me and chop it up with me in the midst of all of this corona stuff yeah it's know? like yeah but uh besides the whole corona thing i have an album 
that I'm still gonna release this year. Okay. Corona or not, it ain't stopping me. Okay. You know. Uh, the, who did the production on here? I'm working with Steve Vicious. Okay. He's he's out in San Diego. Okay. So I got him, and I got my boy Solo Sinatra producing some of it also, and I got a Fearless Crowd album with my boy Gangster Twist. Shout out to Gangster Twist, and that that's that's like ninety nine percent done. That one was ready to roll. And it's funny because it's Fearless Crowd is the second one. The first one was out like in 2001. So I've been promoting this once in a while. And it's called Demophobia, Fear of a Large Crowd. And then all this happens. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's right perfect time. timing to, you know, do the whole thing. So we're going to release that. We're going to release a new album. It's still under Mob G Entertainment, you know, so. Okay, uh, Mob G, that's your label? Yeah, that's a... A label that I co-created with my boy Big Spooks. Shout out to Big Spooks. Okay. He's he's gonna get all wet when he hears it. <laughs> I never heard of a dude getting wet. But <laughs> hey, whatever tickles your fancy, homie. Yeah, all we. Good. W once I left, once I left Southland, he he came in kind of like the middleman. Okay. When we weren't really seeing eye to eye anymore, mm -hmm. uh, me and the label, he came in kind of like the middleman, and then he came in like my manager. And then we just said, you know what, fuck it, let's start a label. Cause he, I was gonna, I was just gonna say, fuck it, you know, I did what I did, yes, do you know? But right. thank, uh, big shout out to all my fans, man. My my fans, they're, they're true fans. I love Go. them. I love them. I, I don't have a thousand million followers, and I got a, just a little over six thousand followers right. on Instagram, but they're all legit. I got over four thousand fans, and that's because I was telling you earlier in two thousand nineteen, fucking four of my pages get deleted. Yeah, some hating ass bastard was probably yeah. continuously reporting my fucking memes. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, eat a bowl of dicks. That's what I told them a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so uh, your shirt that you're wearing, whose shirt is that, man? Uh, that's Blasto, my boy Blasto. Shout out to Blasto. He's he's out there hustling all the time, man. He's well. Tell him I want one of those shirts, bro. Double I'll X. Tell him, yeah. Long sleeve. I I'll, like that shirt. I'll take this one off. No, nah, but you know. <laughs> nah, I've I, only been wearing it a week. I know, know but it's got old Polo Cologne on it. Nah, I'm not trying to, <laughs> but we're good. But oh yeah, let your boy know I want one of those. And your boy, yeah. big shout out to him for uh, mini michelada. Yeah, mini michelada. Same, I'm gonna bust same this motherfucker dude, yeah. wide yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. He, he even gave me a mask. I'm in. For real? Yeah. He's like, hey, you want a mask for the Corona thing? Like, nah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I put on my old wrestling mask to, uh, to go into the market. Yeah. You know, but no, they told me to get out. So I went back in there with my Star Wars Kylo Ren mask. They yeah, told me yeah, to get yeah, the fuck yeah. out. With your blue demon so, mask. Yeah. So I went in there with uh, Michael Myers mask. And everybody stayed away from yeah, me, so that one worked. Yeah, take yeah. a Batman mask. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> okay, any shout outs you want to give, bro? Anything, anything else that you might have left out that you want to bring up? Uh, just, just the way uh, how Mob G Entertainment came up. Okay, like the the label, you know, me and my boy Spooks, we got together. Share that with us, man. Yeah, we got together. He already had a couple record stores. Okay. Uh, that was my oldies but goodies. So he he was trying to get into the music business on that side but he was already he had you know his stories and everything so when we started the label he's like yo i'm already legit you know it's already a business my oldies but goodies so then i told him like yeah but people are gonna hear my oldies but goodies records and or entertainment and they're gonna think ah oh, they're just rapping over all these you know all right. these so i just broke it down you know the acronym m-o-b-g so uh, now we say like mob g so a lot of people have asked like oh mob you know mob you guys are a mob it's like now nah, if you knew the story you know right so i say since we're from pacoima the black and yellow colors black and gold i say made of made of black and gold you know a lot of different 
different yeah. meanings to it. So, and from there we started, and we're we're about ten years strong now. Okay, uh, you guys have any any uh, gear like clothing or anything coming? We out? we had we had coming out when we when we dropped the first album, West Coast of Nuestra. I don't know if you checked it out. No, not that. that one. Yeah, that's the one I had with Ice Cube. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the Cali Boy with Ice Cube. Okay. Shout out to Squeak Crew from all from the Eye for setting that up. Dope. You know, big shout out to him. And that album right there, we did. I did with. Pretty much a lot of the West Coast West Coast legends out oh. there, yeah. You want uh, you you want to uh, give a shout out to anybody, man? Shout out to everybody. Name? Shout out to everybody. Uh, g give us a couple of names, but you just can't say everybody. No, shout uh, out. To they're my... gonna get hurt. No, that's what I'm saying. There's too many because <laughs> then they're gonna be like, "Hey, you didn't shout me out," you know. Okay. So shout out to everybody that's down with me. That's still down with me. Still got my back. Pacoima, Pac Town. They know. They already know. You know, it's funny. I grew up with a guy. Uh, when I was a kid, he used to always hit up Pacas. Yeah. And I never knew what the fuck that meant. Yeah. I got in high school later on, and he told me it was Pacoima. Yeah. But yeah, he grew up here in the city. Oh, okay. So, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know a few people from out here. Dope, man. Yes. That's dope, man. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, when you drop your record, let me know, man. I will. Okay? Let me know. Maybe you and your, some of your artists can come back, and yeah. we'll push it, man. Yeah, I you was going to tell you, man. I got I got uh, the people I work with, man, Solo, Sinatra, Gangster Twist, they're talented. And, and I told him too to submit the music. I'm like, doesn't just have to be me. Right. Throw it, throw it in there, and let Tony hear it, man. Because they, they, they gotta hear it. They're, they're talented, definitely. man. It's Gmail dot com. Go ahead and send it there, and uh, we'll listen to it, and then yeah. uh, we'll set something up. Yeah. So cool. all good, brother. All good, man. Well, I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to interview you, uh, coming the down here, mine, bro. and uh, chilling with me, and for the uh, lovely gifts. And yes, um, I'm grateful, man. Yeah. So. Uh, any last it, words? Just shout out to everybody again. Shout out to everybody again. Once again, everybody, call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, let them know that Darren Vegas is in the motherfucking building. Okay, we'll be back after 10 minutes. Take us away, Johnny Boy. Thank you, Sleepy Malo. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodian Radio episode 49. And I'm going to reply real quick to two comments. Uh, one guy said that uh, he was in a used dick pump, and he only used it a few <laughs> times. Uh, somebody here wanted to know how much. And then some guy said, hey, Tony, where were you when uh, Chicano rap was in his prime? Well, all depends on when you think it was in his prime, because I've been working with Chicano rappers all throughout the 90s. So before you open your mouth, do your homework, okay? Anyways, uh, let me go ahead and promote the Rody Mixtape Documixery. Uh, once again, get a 20% off. Use the promo code TRMD20. TRMD20, you get 20% off. So uh, we'll be taking some more comments, but for everybody that's commenting, please keep it up. This shit is hilarious. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce my special guest, Darren Vegas. Come on down, bro. Hey, thank you, thank you. How you doing, man? Good, man. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, how was the drive coming over here? It was fast. Really? <laughs> we got here early, man. We had to cruise the neighborhood real quick. I was you, like, shit. You, you know, know, it's funny. When I posted your flyer, people mm. were saying, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And I said, mm. tune in. Wait till you hear this man's history. Because there's a lot of us for years that have done so much behind the scenes yeah. that we were just never the type to say, I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it. I did this. I we just kind of let our music speak for itself or exactly. whatever. Yeah. And uh, when we talked, I said, you need to share your story, man. You know, mm -hmm. I think you need to let people know, come out if you were behind the curtain and pretty much share uh, your contribution to this West Coast hip hop, or not just West Coast, but just hip hop in general. Yeah. So, but other than that, you know what? I always like, usually like to break the ice by asking you any good movies you've seen lately? 
God, it comes to a blank. You'd think I would have watched a whole bunch of them, but it seems like I'm just watching a bunch of bullshit on YouTube. And I've learned. I made like a banana freaking Foster's last night. <laughs> I never really cook. I was bored at home. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to learn how to make some little desserts or some, some right. weird shit. You know what I mean? So I made that and I made like some apple crumble shit it was fucking bomb you know oh okay. i never done shit like that in my life uh -huh. but you know we're all at home we're with our families i got little kids i'm like let me learn how to make some like little right. shit but i wish i would have seen some good movies it seemed like not a lot of good ones that came out lately okay know? i okay. saw the last you know the scorsese one was the last good one that i liked. was that the, the irishman yeah the irishman yeah so what did you think about that i liked it because i mean i know it was probably a little slow for some people and shit but i just love dope you know somewhat real gangster movies like that exactly you know exactly. what i mean like i'm a casino's my favorite movie of all time good mine fellas, happens you know? to be carlito's way yeah i love carlito's way i've yeah. fucking seen it a thousand times too that like, donnie brasco all of those fucking pachanga know? yeah yeah <laughs> i love that dude i wish yeah. i could get that fucking dude over here yeah but um and other than that i know this corona shit is fucking things up because mm -hmm. i know you go to the gym yeah you yeah. go to them yeah. so so what are you what have you been doing since there's no gym I have a, luckily I have a big backyard. Okay. And I got my sons out there. I have my sons doing burpees this morning. Okay. <laughs> One of them's four. He was doing burpees at four years old. So, you know, we run the backyard. I do like a whole routine. I do push-ups, jumping jacks, sit-ups, um, all types of shit. Because otherwise I'll go fucking crazy. I've been working on my whole life, like five days a week. I'm not like some huge buff guy, but mentally and just, you know, it's just. You have a routine. I wake up every morning. I do something. That's the first thing I do is something positive. Then boom, then I go hit the studio, you know? Right. And so right. the good thing is that now I'm able to work out with my sons. Right. And they were actually doing my six year old counting off 20 push ups yesterday with me on the ground. Bam, bam. I was like, fuck, this is great for them. And they love running. Right. You know? It's so, a good thing, that especially, you know, when you work out with your kids. For example, yeah. my son, uh, uh, Brian, uh, Beast Gallus on Instagram, mm -hmm. he's watching right now. When we go to the gym, he, he's the guy that spots me. Yeah. And I spot him. Dope. And everybody thinks we're like brothers. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. my boy right there. That's yeah. my son. No, no, you guys are brothers. No, dude. That's, <laughs> Not your brothers. Yeah, that's my son right there. That's good. I started early because I wanted to be a young dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but uh, other than that, um, let's jump right into it. Where, where were you raised at? I was raised in Huntington Beach, Orange the, County. This whole time. Well, I lived all over Orange County, but okay. uh, I grew up in Huntington Beach. And, uh, you know, when I started to get into the music scene i guess i was in high school like 15 djing for all the all the house parties i was bringing people from other places to huntington beach to come to these parties like the parties were the shit, right you know right. So like you were dj yeah i started out me and j-rock i don't know if you know jared from the beat junkies yeah, we used yeah. to dj together when we we started djing like when he was like 17 i guess 19 maybe i was when we started so together. you were oh yeah do it all man yeah no first shit. i played the piano Okay. Then drums, then uh, you know I would sing shit and stuff like that. But okay. um, DJing was my first love of hip hop. Okay. Yeah, now yeah. let's back up just a little bit. Growing up in Huntington Beach with your mother mm -hmm. and your father, what type of music was played at home? You know, every everything from freaking Earth, Wind, and Fire to freaking Neil Diamond to Barry Manilow to you know. All types of all Elvis, you know, all types of stuff. I I I veered towards. I remember I liked. I remember Earth, Wind, and Fire. I think was my favorite band when I was a kid. Wow. You know, and like the Whispers, yeah. who I ended up meeting later in life. You know what I mean? Wow. And stuff. But um, I liked like that 
disco-y funk music. Okay. You know what I mean? So, what, what, what do you think or who was it or who was it that you saw that encouraged you to start moving into the the DJ, you know, uh, realm, if you will, to start DJing? God, it was the, it was the thing on 60 Minutes, man. I just can't think of his name right now. Mixmaster Flash? Maybe, no, or, Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flash. He was on 60 Minutes when I was a kid, and I saw him cutting the record, you know. And I was like, holy shit. And I went and grabbed my parents' turntable and fucked it up. You know what I mean? I was like, right. oh, man, how come it doesn't work like that? You know what I mean? You know, I wonder if it was the same one that I saw because I shared that. It had to have been. And he turned around and he scratched behind his back. Yeah, yeah. That changed my When I saw that, I said, that's what I want to do. The, 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 right same there. thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. And I had the opportunity in, I want to say, 87, 88 mm -hmm. to meet him and share wow, with him cool. that story. That's you dope. Know, that I became a DJ because I saw him. Now, he was the first DJ that I seen scratch on TV. But the first DJ that I saw DJ in person was uh, VIP's uh, Calvin Anderson's brother, King Tim. Yeah. And then I was, uh, I was taken, it was taken to me. Well, I was taken to a whole other level when I was taught by DJ Joe Cooley. Oh, that he was a shit. Yeah, he was a shit. So. Cooley, Cooley, hi. Yes. You know, I, I used to play all that shit. You know, yeah. Me and J-Rock would mix those records back then. Dope, you know? dope. So, so yeah. at what age would you say you said, I, I want to start DJing. Uh, I need some turntables. Mom and dad, I need some turntables or I need some gear. Or My homeboy, Rick Alvarez, he's probably watching this. He grew up with the Baker Boys in Bakersfield. Okay. He had moved to my hometown. And he would play me their tapes. We listen to the Rhodium shit, okay, and the Baker Boy stuff, right? And then Julio G too. I okay. think I heard some stuff from Julio G, and they all came to DJ with me one time when I was young. But um, when I heard that, he he goes, "Hey, I know a guy from our high school. He's, you know, he's got the Mexican restaurant over there, Las Barcas, Dirty D. He's got turntables." I was like, "Well, fuck, take me over there." You know what I mean? Because I didn't have them. You know what right, I mean? I, right. I didn't really, you know. I didn't want to ask my parents, hey, can I get some turntables? I already was playing drums and okay. piano and shit. And I went over there and he had the uh, he had the Technique 1200s. And, yeah. you know, when you saw those 1200s, you were just like, holy shit, this is like the holy grail. Yes. This is the shit. And as soon as I touched them, I was like, oh, 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 just, you know, it's time. That was like the first right. scratch. Hashim, I think it is, or something yeah. like that. It's kind of like a guitarist. The first thing he wants to play is Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I believe me, I, I'm familiar. When Steve Yano told me to cut it up in front of him, mm -hmm. that was the first record that I got. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So believe, I understand that. Now, um, would you say you learned to get good, or would you say you were a fucking natural? I learned to get good, but I was a natural musician, drummer. Music was just in my blood. It was just, you know, it came to me easier than some people, but I practiced every day. Once okay. once I would go to my buddies, I would show up there every day after school. His okay. dad, you know, his dad was like one of those, he was kind of scary sometimes. He only spoke Spanish mainly, you know what I mean? Right. His broken English. He'd come home from the restaurant and we'd be in the garage with the EVs bumping right. back then with the crates and the right, 1200s. Right. Be like, oh, what the fuck are these guys doing? You know what I mean? So. Right. But I was over there constantly until I got my own turntables. And then, you know, then we started throwing parties and shit. And like, okay. those parties were the shit back then. <laughs> you know well, I mean? you know, it's because now it's a different time. There's really no house parties like that. God, they were so Be fun, man. Back then, you know, there was a flyer. Where yeah. You would give it to the girls. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you're going to be there. You're going to go. Yeah. And you would hope that they would, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the, uh, until the fucking cops came and broke it up. Yeah. Everybody would fucking take off. Yeah. But, uh, but then I, you made your money by then and stuff. And, you know, yes, you met yes. the girls. Then you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, clap cheeks and all that. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. um, you started being a musician as a young kid. What inspired mm -hmm. that? Did you come from a mu musical family? 
You know, I think my, my grandma had played piano a little bit when she was younger and stuff. And one of my, my aunts on my mom's side. And so uh, I just, I asked for a Casio keyboard. I saw one like a, a Radio Shack. I was like, can I get this keyboard? You know, I just, and I just started writing songs when I was like in the second grade, like full like chords. And then I took piano lessons, but my teachers would always tell me like, where are you on the music now? And I would have no idea because I was playing by ear. Yes. And they would get mad at me. Yes. Hey, you pay attention. But, you know, I actually started playing jazz and stuff when I was a, a kid. And okay. like uh, boogie woogie type shit, you know. I'd play actually. My dad took me to a couple bars and told me to get up on the piano and I would go in there and play and no stuff. Shit. And people tripped out, you know. So wow. that was, I just loved music ever since I was little. Yeah, I know? tried as a youngster to try to learn the, the, the piano, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't have the fucking patience for it, man. Yeah. I didn't, uh, the teacher would yell at me and I would yell back, <laughs> you know, don't fucking talk to me like that. Yeah. You know, well, you don't, you're not getting it. They were brutal piano teachers, man. They were like, you know, there's always an older lady yes. telling you, you know, she's like, she had the metronome thing going, she had the little ruler, hey, pay attention. Yes. Like, See, with me, I'm a slow learner, but I mm -hmm. guarantee you, whatever I learn, I master. Yeah, and I will. I'm set out to become the best dude in the room, mm. but I'm gonna take my time learning. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I, I think I could have been one of those guys that possibly could have played by ear mm -hmm. because I I didn't want to read. You yeah. Know? I would just tell him, put me, show me. We just want to make songs. I, that's it. Bum 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 bum. Yeah. How do I do that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But they don't teach like that. So now uh, you were so you were playing drums, obviously keyboards. Yeah. What, what were you better at the, at the keyboards or the drums? I, I was I was good at both of them to okay. be honest with you but I mean there's kids that were way better than me okay. but you know I wasn't the best like a uh, mechanical player or sightseeing player and stuff but I just had the funk in me somehow right I remember my buddy called Buddha man Chris Davis his dad was like in a, a funk band they were like I forget what what state they came from uh -huh. they had like a picture of them like running from a helicopter with all froze and stuff and he, <laughs> he used to take me to his dad has a studio in his garage with like the Juno 106s and shit right and I would go in there and play with him and he'd look at me like hey man you know like how do you know how to do that we just and we just started jamming and it's just yeah keyboards keyboards were always probably my first love but drums I'm glad I learned drums yeah because okay. you know we're in hip hop, you the fucking drums. If the drums aren't banging, if people aren't bobbing their head like this, right. the song sucks. True, it's not going nowhere. True, you know. So now you tell me, you were with J Rock. How come you never became a part of the Beat Junkies, or you, did you just decide to do your own thing? I decided to. Me and J Rock were going to college. We're in the music program, Orange Coast College. I used to pick him up every day. We go to school, study music. We go back to his house and practice all day. While I had the keyboard, he would be on the tables. And, you know, J-Rock was the shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? At a young age, he was a shit. He, and he had every record you can imagine at yes. his house. So I was good at keyboards. And we were both good at, at DJing. He, he was a master at it already. Yeah. So I would say, you do that. I'll put the keyboards on the songs. We had a four track. And we started making beats. We had my homeboy, Boudreaux Javier. He was a rapper. You know what I mean? So we started putting down things. And we got off, actually offered a record deal from Don Cornelius when we were like 19. No, Don Cornelius. Don Cornelius came down to Santa Ana in his Rolls Royce to give us the our Soul first Train record, guy. Soul Train. I was working on the Soul Train theme when I was 20 years old. With wow. Mel Melvin Davis was the bass player on the original Soul Train theme, and Shaka Khan's music director and bass player, and the Pointer okay. Sisters. He was guiding me in, in the band. Okay, so we're, we're jumping a little bit too far ahead. Yeah, sorry. Let's, no, all good. Let's back up a little bit. How 
or why did Don Cornelius go over there? Because Melvin sent him our music, and when he heard it, he wanted he loved he loved it, and so um, and Melvin what had the group O'Brien. I don't know if you remember them. Of the course. Group. So it was Melvin was the music behind O'Brien. So he trusted Melvin's intuition. I'm working with us and stuff, and so he came down, like I said, in his Rolls Royce and offered us our first record deal. Then we went up to his office, me, J-Rock, and my homeboy, Javier. And we didn't end up signing the deal because at that time they wanted all of publishing. Oh, yeah. They wanted all of everything. It was like seven points. You know, we didn't know shit about the music business. So, so, so what, what, what were they offering then? You know, I mean, they're saying they want to keep all the publishing. Fame. So they're just saying, we'll put you out there, but we're keeping everything. Pretty much that's how record deals were when we were coming up. And yeah. you'll know. I mean, I know you went through crazy. You had to have. Yeah. Because every artist, I won't say they get fucked, but every artist goes through that. Yes. Every, and everybody and I, my dad still has the, the Soul Train Records contract. You know, I remember when I went to go meet Don Cornelius at his office, the whispers were there. One of the whispers was in the office with, with them. And I was like, dude. Yeah, I don't even know, dude. I used to fucking play your shit. Like, right, you're one of the reasons I'm doing this. Right, and he was like, "Oh man, I heard you guys get down." You know, and I just thought that was so like crazy, but we decided not to do the deal because we thought we'd get other deals. Right, but we didn't get another deal. Never came back. Never, no, never came no. Around. And and then he wanted to sign just the rapper at one point, and and and. Javier, I think he was loyal to us, and he was like, "No, nah, we're gonna get another deal somewhere else." Around what year was this? This is like early 90s, like 90, 91, fresh wow. out of high school. Wow. So um, we put out our own record. We made it, pressed up our own shit, went to the studio called Orange County Bound. We were the first like rappers from Orange County to put down hip hop records. Okay. And the shit was playing everywhere. And and um, what, what was your role in this group? The DJ, the producer? The producer. Um, and me and J-Rock would, J-Rock would DJ, I would produce, but we were both DJing too. Okay. So it was like, I don't know, whatever, like whatever we felt like doing, right. you know, because I mean? he was making beats too. Okay. We had an Insonic EPS. That was even before the MP, you okay. know, before we had an MPC 60 and stuff. So everything so. was out of the Insonic. I remember my friend, uh, yeah. used to have an Insonic. Uh, he didn't have the SB 12. I had the SB 12. Yeah. He had the Insonic. We didn't could afford a SB 12 yet. I know. You I know. know. I mean, even from back then, that fucking price was about between 2000 and 2500. I was fucking bang. Yeah, it, yeah. it was ridiculous. And even now you, you look online, uh, some people know what they're worth and you only get 10 seconds sampling time and they yeah. want like fucking five grand. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, calm the fuck down, dude. Seriously? We would have signed, we almost signed just so we could get in the big studios. Cause you know, at that time studio, it was a thousand bucks a day, yes. $1,200 a day just to go in and work on a song. Yes. So we almost would, that's why people would sign. Because the records companies would say, hey, listen, we're going to get you in the best studios. You're going to get your equipment and all that stuff. You know, little did the artists know when the records start selling and they start blowing up, uh -huh. they got to fake it because they got to act like they got money. But right. really, they're broke. What, what, what was the name of the group? Um, it was Simply Rhythm. Then it was Funkadelic Concepts. Okay. Is what we call it. And the, the Orange County Bound record, like I, I seen it on YouTube. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, that's a trip that people had it. And I had a lot of people hit me about that record. Like, damn, dog, you know, you guys, when I first heard your guys' shit, we were like open up for Mellow Man Ace and Kid Frost and shit like that. Dope. But we were the only ones from Orange County repping Orange County. Right. Because there wasn't, there was other guys from Orange County, but they were told to rep Compton. Because really? Compton was the shit. Right, right. When NWA came out, everybody, all of a sudden, everybody's from Compton. That is true. 
That is true. Now, I know some people are going to get mad at me for saying this, mm -hmm. okay? First of all, let me say this. I moved out of Compton when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. My parents came from Mexico to Compton. Mm -hmm. From Compton, we moved here to Wilmington. I'm yeah. 52 now. I've been here for many, many years. Mm. We moved out of Compton when I was nine. I'm not going to claim Compton if I was mm -hmm. raised here, okay? Mm -hmm. I've known dudes that moved out of Compton when they were seven, mm -hmm. and they live somewhere else. I won't claiming say where. Compton. Claiming Compton. I'm yeah. like... Calm the fuck down, dude. <laughs> but but that that's that's what they want to do. Anyways, whatever. Uh, after that, what came next for you? Um, we I started a, a record label called Killer Cali Records. With I put it together with my homeboy Uni and Chill from Compton's Most Wanted. Okay. You know, somehow I linked up with Compton Cats because you yeah. know Compton was the hottest. Every you know that was the hottest shit in in hip hop on the West Coast. Was stuff coming out of Compton when I heard NWA's first record that like, of course that really made that's when I really flipped out. When I heard Dope Man, I was like, oh fuck, I got to be a part of this somehow. Of course, that was you like know? the rawest shit ever. That right? was the rawest fucking shit ever when I heard that. It changed my life. Yeah, same. You here. know, and uh, so we put together a record label. We California Organization was the name of our group. Okay. So it was me and our clique from Orange County which was the same guys and a couple more added DJ raw shag man, big time boogie man, 5150. I got to shout him out. These guys were super dope. Yeah. And then chill from CMW eight came on the record with us and we got tradey on the record before he was really, you know, big time yet, you right. know, and put out, I, I went and shopped a deal. We got a distribution deal with raging bull records at the time. Okay. Joe is and how old were you still at the time? You were you still like a teenager? 22 or, 20? or 23, okay. probably, you know, okay. 20, 20, 24, I think. Now, now let me ask you, you this. Know? What motivated you to like, at that age, I want to start up my own fucking record label? Because after we didn't sign the deal with, with Don Cornelius, we shopped a deal. We would bullshit. We would call companies and say like, you know, we'd use fake voices and shit. And somehow my buddy is Italian dude. Grew up with him, Joe. He would call and get a hold of the vice president of Warner Brothers. He'd get us in these meetings somehow. And we walk in and see these young guys like, wait a minute. And he would pretend he was the manager. He wore a suit and shit with a briefcase and shit. <laughs> shit was crazy. But we didn't get a deal. Nobody wanted to sign nobody from Orange County. The first thing we would say was, you know, you guys aren't from Compton, right? Or they kind of like wanted us to say we were from Compton. I know. And we were like, no, fuck. We're not going to fucking claim Compton. I know. You know what I mean? We look, we looked up to all those groups. But we were just like, no, nah, fuck, we got to keep it real. We're from Orange County, dude. And, and people kind of laughed at that at first. Orange Orange County, motherfuckers don't rap in Orange County. Right, right. In their you know? mind, Orange County doesn't sound tough. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. But it, it, it wasn't good business. How can I sell this type of deal? They couldn't sell it. Right. Yeah. So from there, you start up your own record label. Uh, who did you guys end up uh, just release a compilation? Is that what it was? Or? It was California Organization. So it was our group that we formed. Me, Chill. There was like five or six of us. Okay. I produced the whole record with uh, and, and Chill got on there. I actually taught Chill how to play the keyboards back then. Really? He didn't know how to play the keys yet. Because Slip had always done their music. Yeah. And he always wanted, he had an ear for producing. And so me, him, and my homeboy, DJ Ra, we produced the record together. Fucking best time of our lives making that record. Wow. And if you listen to that record, it's fucking sick record we sold over 300,000 copies on the streets through raging bull but we had all we bought up bus benches and had california bus benches the the baby blue bus benches we we're supposed to get four dollars and 25 cents a record it was a distribution deal where they put up the money for the marketing 
Well, guess what? When that happens, you never recoup somehow, even though of there was no video, no music video, no fucking hardly any marketing. Somehow we didn't recoup. We didn't get paid a fucking penny off that record. And, and, and that's one thing. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm sorry to cut you off. My, my apologies. No, but that word recoup. Oh, it's my key God. word, man. Yeah. Well, we did your video. We, we we put you in magazines. We flew you here. We flew, we got to get that money back before we pay you. That's what that means. Yeah, yeah. So. We ne we never recouped. Um, they ended up claiming Chapter Eleven, the record label. So nobody got paid. Jinx was over there at the time too. Really? Yeah, Jinx had a deal there too. I remember meeting Jinx in the office, and we were talking. I was like, "Did you get paid yet?" He's like, "No, nah, did you guys get paid?" Like, we didn't get fucking paid, bro. Wow. You know what I mean? So that was the record industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been through every... I lecture at colleges sometimes now. I've been through every record deal you can imagine from production deals, distribution deals with my own label where you bring in the money, they do the marketing, you know. I've helped artists get signed to record deals, you know. I've negotiated for people. I had a publishing deal and shit, you know. So it's just like I've seen it all. Right. And the fucking shit that goes on in the music business is fucking crazy, man. Yeah. People, everybody tells me now too, oh, I just want to sign a deal. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Especially in this day and age. You don't have to, fuck, you don't need a record label. Why would you need a record label when you can get a record done for so cheap? Right. And you have all these ways to promote your record on social media. On social media. You know what I mean? So, I mean, because back then our social media was, okay, we got to get you on rap rap sheets. We got to yeah. get you on rap pages. We got to get you on source. We got to, yeah. and they're, MTV raps and yeah, shit. Yeah, they're saying they're paying for all that. We yeah. don't really know if they are. And you don't know what they're paying and they're always bumping up the numbers. Creative always. accounting, you know, so. Exactly. So, wow. So now at what point did you start like, okay, you know what? All I want to do is just produce or because if I'm correct, you also engineer now. Yeah, I engineer. Well, because I would always be in there on the mixing of the records because I knew how I wanted my kicks to sound. Exactly. And, and, you know, and stuff. And then I, I I had moved to the MPC, which was, you know, I made all those records on the MPC. Um, I would be in on the mix. I had to be on the mix sessions because, you know, a lot of the engineers back then, hip hop wasn't that it was big. But a lot of guys didn't know how to engineer hip hop yet. You're right. There were rock engineers that were in there with us. So they would give us the technical advice and I would be like, man, let's fucking turn the kick up, put some compression on that kick and turn up that 808. You know what it, I mean? That's a great point. Let, let, let me let me share that again. During that time, a lot of people did not know how to engineer hip hop. And that's why we gave credit uh, a couple of days ago when Big Hutch was here because mm -hmm. Donovan Durbiker uh, uh, Smith knew how to engineer. That was his sound coming out of yeah. audio achievements. Mm -hmm. We had a guy that was trying, literally trying to EQ our kicks, hats, snares, samples like a rock band. Yeah, and it sounded like it don't sound do right. It don't sound right. Mm -hmm. It don't sound right. So, yeah. And then he was like, "Why do you want so much bass, motherfucker? I want to hear the boom. <laughs> I want to hear that. Yeah. But why? Yeah. Just fucking do it. Like, yeah. Believe me. Yeah. So I started engineering at a young age. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Right. I didn't know about the mathematical things as far as the reverb and delays and all that shit. I just knew. I feel and then you know they would help me and be I would like you know I want this to sound like this okay this is this knob you know and it right. was it was no computers then it was all right SSLs or whatever board you were on right you know the, so. the only engineering that I would say I probably did was I EQ'd a little bit I never really got good mm -hmm. because I remember somebody told me this and I don't know whether this was good or not uh, advice he said when you spend uh, time engineering mm -hmm. many times when you dive full into it you you start 
losing a little of the creativity when it comes to production or even DJing that you want to do because now you want to, I got to get that snare, I got to get that tambourine, I got to get that fucking open head, I got to get that crash or whatever. And then after a while, you're not even really into production. You just want to make sure the fucking sound, the song sounds clean. You could get lost in the mix. Yes. Totally. So I would, I would tell them what I wanted. We would hook it up, get it banging. I would leave the room purposely. I would tell them, do your thing. And then I would come back in there and it would be sounding fucking awesome. And then I'd just get in there, tweak little things, turn up this background. Or a lot of times they would have the dub and trips on the vocals too loud. Mm -hmm. And there would be clutter in the rap. I'm like, no, we just want these tucked, you know? And then that's how I would mix. Because I, I, I learned that too back right. then because it took so long because we weren't on a computer right. where you could just throw some plugins on there and shit. You got to go dial the shit in. Yes. You know? Yes. And so. Oh, plug it in. Plug oh, yeah. You got to patch it all in too. Yes. yes. So, you well, know, I, kids I, today. Dudes don't know how good they have it. No, you're, it's you're, so easy to engineer your own records now compared to back then. To back then, and yeah. in a two-inch reel with three, so with, you could only put three songs on there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, no. It, um, one thing, the only thing that I would do was like, okay, uh, go ahead and EQ it. And I'll tell you what I want. Okay, mm -hmm. cool, that's good. And then what I would do, I would just put my my mix on NS10s, and then I would just get other levels. Yeah. And then if you want to add some delays or whatever, go for it, dude. Whatever. Yeah. But now. At what, what point did you start getting calls or, if you will, hey, I need you to produce my song or, or, hey, I need you to come to my record label or whatnot? Because what a lot of people may not know, you were at Ruthless and you were also at Death Row. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How was it leading up to Ruthless first? I mean, uh, how did <clears throat> Easy hear of you? Easy, when I went to Ruthless, say I had met those guys. I remember my homeboy, I get my homeboy Lamont, a shout out. Shout out. He took me to the pool party. Back okay. in the day, the ones the, that you see in the movie, the infamous pool part. Shit was crazy. Okay, you know. share, share a little bit about that, man. I mean, naked women, na na everywhere. Take biddies. Yeah, crazy stuff going on. I'm not going to really get into detail, but I remember talking with uh, DOC there. I met him because that's when his record was. I was like, dude, he's dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember talking to him. I remember meeting Easy and my my homeboy Lamont. His sister was friends with Dr. Dre. So we met everybody, but everybody was partying. You know, it wasn't like, right. I just want, you know, I was just stoked to be around all this right, stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So I got introduced at that time, but no, they didn't even know I did music or anything. You know what I mean? I was just like the dude, like right. hanging out. Like I couldn't believe what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Shit was crazy, dude. Like, you know, so after the California, after we didn't get paid from the California shit, I quit music because it broke my heart. Wow. I was just destroyed because we we're supposed to get rich out there. You know, not rich, but, you know, I couldn't believe we didn't get paid. Right. Everybody and started arguing. And you knew how much mad. it was moving. I knew, you know, um, I was back working in like a frozen in the freezers in the grocery stores and shit for a sales company. I hated it. Right. And I would hear shit on the radio. I'm like, man, I'm better than that. Fuck this. I got to do music, man. It's yeah. like I, I try to run from it. It's, I've done it a few times in my career. Me too. You know. And I just couldn't run from it no more. I started making beats. And uh, I was making beats with my homeboy Dave Knight in his garage in Anaheim. What were you using at that time? An MPC and like rolling keyboards. Okay. And stuff. And we had a board in there and shit. We'd be in there. His mom would be in there doing clothes, doing the laundry. And it should be hot as fuck in there because the dryer would be on and shit in the summertime. Right. Big C style from the Dog Pound somehow heard about us making beats in this garage and that the beats were dope. Right. He came down there and he brought Snoop Dogg down to the studio. This is when Snoop has already came out with the Chronic. So they're right. the hottest shit in the world. Right. 
Big C style. I don't know. A lot of people don't know him. He started the dog pound. He was like Snoop's right hand man back okay. then. The whole started the whole Long Beach thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Trade E was always with them back then. Um, they heard one of the. This is like right around the same time, right before the Ruthless thing. Okay. Too. So because I went to Ruthless a little bit later with Bone. So they got. They heard the beats. Took it up to death row. I got a call one day from Snoop Dogg on the phone, and I thought it was a crank call. He was like, yo, did you make this beat? And I was like, who is this? Like, this is Snoop. I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. I was living in Santa Ana with my friends, you know what I mean? Making beats every day. And I hung up on him. Right? No I fucking thought it was bullshit. I'm like, what the fuck is Snoop Dogg calling me for? You know what I mean? C <laughs> Big C stuff calls me. Hey, cuz, you know, that's that's how he talked. His voice was kind of scratched like that. He's like, hey, that is Snoop, you, you idiot. You know what I mean? We're up here at Can-Am. You made this beat, right? And I remember he played the beat. I'm like, yeah. He's like, get your ass up here. You know, so I drove from Santa Ana. I called a couple of the homies and we freaking headed up to Can-Am. I walked in the studio up there and I see, I walk in, I see in one room is DJ Quick and Ice Cube working together. And Lady of Rage was in there too. And, you know, plus, you know, the, when you walk down those halls, it's all secured, bloods everywhere. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. running the show. I go to the back room. I meet Dr. Dre. Cause they, when I walk back there, I just hear this. As I'm walking through the halls. And then I realize that that's my beat playing in there, right? And that's where I want you to press pause. Okay. And we're going to come back. All right. All right, everybody. Once again, it's getting really good. It's getting nice and wet up in here. <laughs> so once again, uh, go ahead and call somebody, take somebody. And since we're taking it back, make sure you page somebody, okay? And let them know that Darren Vegas is in the motherfucking building. Not to be confused with Las Vegas. <laughs> All right? We'll be back 10 minutes. Go take a shit. Get a model and come back. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to Rolling Radio episode 49. And I am your host, Tony A. The Lizard. I mean, the wizard. <laughs> and we just bust open this michelada. And uh, we brought out the... The tequila we're gonna sip on this shit and yeah. uh but but all you guys that were asking about the dick pump it's already been sold so it was used three times the owner called me and told me so that's pretty much it, it's over so anyways brother i served you a little bit well let's sip on it salute right. to the salute. coronavirus on me oh, shit i'm gonna oh. sip chase down to michelada now I got it while i do that you're walking down the hallway, you hear a boom, boom, boom. Talk to me. It's so funny because it's so clear in my mind, but it happened a long time ago. You know what I mean? It was one of those moments like in hip hop that you never forget and shit, you know? Yes. So I'm walking down the hallway, I hear, you know, because the system was insane at yeah. Can-Am back in the day. Yeah. That's where Dre was making all those records, you know? Um, so I go back there, it's my beat playing on the thing. I see Snoop sitting in there smoking weed. I never seen so much weed smoke in my life. Was when I walked in there, you could barely see. It was dark and there was pit bulls running around on the ground, just loose. I was like, what the fuck? They got fucking pit bulls in the studio, right? Yeah. So I'm just sitting there at the keyboard, kind of just listening to the music, kind of, you know, I wasn't, I didn't jump up on the board like, hey, I'm running this or nothing like that. It's my well, how many people were in there, would you say? 30. It's fucking packed. DJ Pooh was in there. Snoop was in there, the Dog Pound was in there, Dr. Dre was in there, the LBC crew was in there, then you got the homies in there, you know what I mean? And I brought like four guys with me, because yeah. you know, I didn't know what I was walking into, you're going to death row, you hear a lot of shit, you right. know? Um, so I walked in there and I remember Dre came up to me, he was like, is that you on the keys right there? And I was like, yeah, he's like, man, that shit's dope. 
And I was like, oh, shit. You know, right. to me, that was like, Dre, I'm sure he probably doesn't remember that shit. But to me, that was a big moment. Yeah. You know, because I, NWA was one of my biggest, yeah. you know, aspiration. When I heard their music, it like changed my life, you know. So anyway, we cut the record. It was the same day they, they cut uh, Beware of My Crew. So LT was in there too, LT okay. Hutton. Somebody, somewhere, you know, that song. So it was supposed to go on the LBC Cruise album. Okay. That's that's what we were working on. Snoop was rapping on the beat I did too. He did the hook. Just dipping in my low low. Maybe a six fold, but I don't really know. So it was a that's the name of the song was dipping so in my low low. Did you know you were gonna go there to record? Or you could did you I just didn't know. C Style just said, dude, get the fuck up here. They're about to rap on your record. You know what I mean? You made this beat, right? And I was oh, like, okay. Yeah. So I went up there and we cut the record. So wow. and I was stoked. I was like, shit, that's big right now. You know what I mean? Yeah the uh then a, a guy by the name of zap from compton he's from fruit town he grew up with uh like uh seconds and none and quick and all them he knew yeah. all them real good and all their older homies and shit to uh, black tone and everybody he was a friend of mine because he he liked my music too so we built a relationship he introduced me to a dude named big jake um jake robles he was dj quick's manager at the time okay so he came down to my apartment in santa Ana. And um, he wanted to manage me. So we started developing a, developing a relationship. He had heard the California stuff. He knew I did the song with Snoop. Right. He brought uh, Red Rum with him down there. Mm -hmm. So he, I started doing a beat for Red Rum on the spot. And he was like, dude, that shit was hard. He's like, I'm going to introduce you to Suge. I want you to come up to death row. And I want you to sign a deal with us. So this will be your second time going up there with Yeah. So I went up to the office. They were getting the contracts ready. Suge wasn't there at that time, that day. I met um dude's name was Black. Uh -huh. He was running the promotion at Death Row. So I met everybody at Death Row. They said, we're getting your paperwork together. We want you to do a deal. Big Jake was going to be my manager. He was a good dude. I remember him just coming down to my spot in Santa Ana and just smoking a joint on the couch and just listening to music, like telling me like the moves that he was going to make for me. And he was Suge's right hand man. Right. So he said, look, I'm going to go to Atlanta. When I come back from Atlanta, we're going to sit down with Suge and iron out the deal. You know, we're going to start making records. You know, this is when Death Row is the biggest. You yeah. know, this is right before the Dogfather album. This is after the Chronic and Doggy Style. Right. So I was super excited, right? Yeah. So he goes to Atlanta. He hits me from out there. And then all of a sudden, I don't hear from him. <laughs> right? And I'm like, fuck, what the fuck is going on? It didn't, because he was super excited too. Right. I was going to be his new producer. And then I get the call from Zap. And he's like, dude, Big Jake got shot in Atlanta. I'm like, what do you mean he got shot? He's like, dude, he didn't make it, dude. He died. And I was like, what the fuck happened, dude? He's like, he was with Suge at a club and like Puffy's people were out there and shit. Some shit popped off and they shot, somebody shot him. So there goes my deal. What the fuck Rest was going through your mind, brother? I just, I, I fucking, you can be on, it had already happened to me once with the California shit where we had the record where number 11 yeah. on Billboard, the shit fell through. Now I'm there, I'm waiting for my deal to be done. As soon as he gets back, he never comes home. You know, R.I.P. Big Jake. He was a good dude. He yeah. managed second to none, too. I think he was working, helping manage them, too, at mm -hmm. the time. Um, so I didn't even meet Suge at that time. I get a check. The song ends up coming out on Doggy Style. It didn't go on the LBC Cruise record because something got held up with their record. I think probably who knows what. Right. Tons of dope music was put 
on the shelf at death row because of deals and different things or people waiting in line and shit. So the good news was a lawyer calls me up. He's like, I, I saw the doggy, the dog father record come out and I heard my beat on there. Right. And it was called traffic jam. The dude was on there. This is the traffic jam. Boom, 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 boom. Talking, you know, this right. is W balls or whatever, you know, right. and, and the, you know, part of the song is playing and shit, you know, dude hits me. He's like, Hey, uh, a lawyer he's like meet me at the supermax parking lot or some shit and i went over there to meet him and i was working a regular job again everything fell through he has me a check for ten thousand dollars he goes this is a buyout you know we know your songs on the thing you want to accept it you could accept it right now i fucking hugged the dude i was like ten thousand dollars are you fucking kidding me you know what i mean so yeah. i'm back you right, know what i mean right, i quit right. my fucking job the next day i went and showed my dad the check because i've been getting ripped off from record labels you know i was make, i was hustling making money doing records for you know this guy and that guy you know but ten thousand dollars at that time for me was a game changer you know right i took that money i got some equipment started making beats i didn't hear from anybody from death row you know what i mean and then that's when you know shit was going on like crazy shit was going on. that's the whole west coast east coast beef tupac went over there i would have i would have been there when Pac was there yeah if if that deal would have gone through yeah it didn't happen i started making a beat for bone thugs before i even knew him and i was like i'm gonna How get did that happen i'm in my apartment and i'm just like i was listening to their music and i'm like dude these dudes are so dope like cutting edge shit like got their own style which mm. was hard to do they came in with their own style in the rap game right nobody sounded like bone nobody was singing on records like bone was he had domino he had his style, but Bone was flipping. They came with that whole style. Yeah. You know? And so I started working on a beat and a couple beats, and I said, somehow I'm going to get this to, to Bone Thugs. I've never seen him a day in my life. Then I'm hanging out with my boys, the Booyah Tribe. Right. You know? here from the city of Carson. Yeah. Good friends of mine. The club that me and J-Rock DJed, that was their stomping grounds. 5902. Shout out to my homeboy, uh, Tony Verdugo. Okay. He, he now runs Crazy Girls in Hollywood. Um, not, 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 uh, was it ever called, uh, what was the name of the club again? 5902. 5902 okay. It was the, everybody played there. No Doubt, uh, Corn, Kid Frost. I, I'm trying to remember if we called it 90, just 902. It was, yeah. yeah. Me and J-Rock were the like in-house DJs there. Okay. So the Booyah Tribe, we became good friends and shit, you know. There yeah. was some bad motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, a lot of shit would go down and they, <laughs> I've seen the craziest fights in my life with those guys. They never started shit. Right. Yeah. Great guys. They had offices up in Hollywood and I was up there with Cobra and Monster one day and Lazy Bones' right-hand man was in the studio next door. Uh -huh. So there's like, let me introduce you to him. You know what I mean? So he comes in, his name was Gold, and he hears my beats. He's like, fuck, man. He was from Cleveland. He's like, dude, you got some dope shit. What are you doing tonight? I go, why? He goes, because Lazy and Busy and them, they're in the studio working on their new record, Resurrection. I'm like, all right. He's like, come to the studio and bring those beats. So I go up to the studio. Um, it's Busy, Flash, and Lazy. Crazy and uh, Wish weren't there. And I play the beats that I wanted them to hear. Right. Yeah. The Righteous Ones was the name of the song, the name of the beat. You know that before they rapped on it so i played him and i just remember them dudes going fucking crazy dude like 
I remember we're in the kitchen in the studio and they're just bumping the shit in there, right? And I remember Busy jumped on top of the fucking table in the kitchen and started going, he just started rapping like crazy, like going off. I was like, oh, this is good. Right. You know, right. He, I remember he picked up a fucking chair and threw it across the kitchen, dude. What the fuck was that for? He's just fucking hype, dude. He was just fucking going crazy. He was, he was pretty wild back then. Yeah, that's some rock star shit, huh? Yeah, and Lazy's laughing and shit, and then he starts rapping, then Flesh could fucking Flesh could fucking rap his ass off too. He started rapping on it. Right. And I played him a few beats and like, man, we want all these beats. You know wow. what I mean? They're like, we want to we you know, we're fucking with them for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? So let us jump on them. You know what I mean? So we cut the records. Long story short, came out on the album. I had two songs on the album because I came in towards the end okay. of the record. Shit debuted number one. Right off the bat. What, what, what songs were these? Do you remember the, the name? The Righteous Ones and um, One Night Stand. And, and on what albums were these again? The Res Bone Thugs and Harmony Resurrection. So number one on Billboard. Um, Life-changing. You know what I mean? I was getting paid good money for beats. You know, back then you weren't getting less than $5,000 a song up front right. for when they picked the songs. And let's be honest. Even $5,000 to $10,000 a lot was good. But with the amount of money <clears throat> that they were making, oh yeah, and then buying you out, <clears throat> oh yeah, you know. But it wasn't a buyout. Okay. This time, I learned. I was right. like, I'm not. Um, I want my publishing, and I want three points a song, which was standard. Three points ain't shit. Right. When you break it down, I can tell people. I can teach people what points are and why it's a terrible system for producers. Because back then, artists would maybe get twelve points a record. A producer would get three points off of their 12 points, 12 points minus recoupment, which is zero. Yeah. Because there's no recoupment. The shit went fucking platinum. Million copies out the get like fast as fuck. I think the first week was like a few hundred thousand, you know. So, but I did get my publishing and I didn't know how much publishing was. I'd never gotten a publishing check. And one of my boys, he worked at Ruthless. His name was Homicide. He, he, he wrote with Eazy-E. And uh, he hit me. He's like, hey, I can collect that money for you. You know what I mean? And his name wasn't Homicide for no reason. You know what I mean? He's like, right. I was like, yeah, well, because nobody sent me a check yet. He's like, dude, you, they're owed, you're owed money. I'm like, shit, well, go get it and I'll give you a percentage. He's like, cool. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> he called me that night. He's like, look, I got a check for 47000 for you right now. This is your first check. I was like, what? Are you, are you fucking bullshitting me, dude? Don't bullshit me. He's like, dude, it's right here. Come get this shit. And I remember I called the limo and fucking took a limo up there. Me and my homeboy were shooting craps in the back of the limo. I'm like, for real? Well, yeah, because it was like traffic time. I'm like, I don't want to fucking drive up there in traffic and shit. I'm like, I'm about to get $50,000. I might as well take a limo, you know? You're riding style. So, yeah. We went from the studio. I went and got my first check. And that was like life changing at the time. Dope, dope. Yeah. Now, at what point did you uh, explain to us about Ruthless and Death Row? Who, who did you sign with first or who did you? So I never signed a Ruthless. I, I was independent. So I ended up cutting those records. Okay. Then I did worked on Busy's or uh, Lazy's solo record there. Okay. Which was another five songs, which was like, an, you know, they paid me for those and stuff. And that shit was like on Soul Train. He performing my music on Soul Train and shit, which wow. was a trip after I don't sign a Don. But then later my songs are on Don, on Soul Train. You know what I wow. mean? Um, did you ever record any of auto achievements? No, we were at the, the studio off Wilcox. I can't remember. That's where Bone did all their stuff okay. after the first album. Right, right. I just can't think of it. My boy Aaron, he was an engineer. He engineered all their stuff. And, uh, you know, DJ Unique was in there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't Skip Sailors because I, I did the Tupac records there. But um, so anyway, 
I ended up cutting Busy's rec solo record, then I ended up doing the Mo Thugs record, which we did at a different label at Koch Records, which is now E1, and that was like their one of the, their first big right. rap record, you okay. know. And then I did Busy's whole solo album, The Gift. Like, I think I did ten songs out of twelve on that okay. album, and did, that was at another you, label. You uh, ever meet Easy? I just met him at the pool party. Okay. Easy was gone by this time. This is the year 2000. Okay. Okay. So. I'm I'm dealing with Tamika directly, and she was cutting my checks there. Uh, how was the relationship with her as far as? To be honest with you, the relationship with her was cool. I did the music. She said we want it, and she she cut my checks just like she said she would, and it and it got handled good. I would meet I would my meetings were directly with her. Okay. So I wasn't meeting with like an A and R person and shit like that. Well, well, Never like dealing with A and R people. No, no. You know. Well, why do you think, okay, and I'm just telling you what people have told me. Yeah. Why do you think that people say, oh, Tamika's the devil? Have you heard those stories? Yeah, no, because I was around Bone all the time. And okay. At that time, I did. we did 20 songs together, plus other songs that didn't come out, which I wish I had copies of, but I don't know where they are, you know? Okay. Um, um, they weren't getting paid what they were supposed to get paid, just like any artist in the record business at that time. Right. They were the biggest fucking rap group in the world right then. Right. You know what I mean? Bro, you're good. No, I'm still good. I'm just okay. sipping it. But so, and I remember Busy was really pissed. He's like, fuck that. I'm not going to shows or nothing. You know what I mean? We're not getting paid. Well, we're supposed to be getting paid. Those dudes are superstars. They sold 30 million records. Exactly. And, and struggling, maybe? I don't know if they were striving to know, you know how much money they had or not. But I can guarantee you this. They were not as happy as they should have been. You know what I mean? They should have been super rich at that time. Yeah. 30 million records. 30 million records. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's $17 a record. You take the wholesale on that, maybe it's $10 is what the company nets. You know, that's $30 million. Yeah. 30 million times 10, that's $300 million. They're making, dude, the rap game makes so much money. And for the artists not to get paid. I know. They, I never got paid my points off that record because they told me they didn't recoup. So that shows how bad their deal was. Yeah. And that shit ended up selling two or three million records. Then I had a song on the greatest hits, Bone Thugs Harmony's greatest hits too. So it ended up being like 21 songs with them. Um, the crazy part is I never worked with Crazy and Wish because at that time they were all doing their separate things. Lazy had Mo Thugs, Busy did his thing. So I worked with both of them, excuse me, and did all their records, but uh crazy and wish weren't at the studio when i did that we all met we would hang out at the videos and stuff like that okay but, so anyway that was life-changing bought my first house off the records and stuff so i was happy you know i knew i wasn't getting what i was supposed to get but then i'm getting checks for you know 40 50 thousand at a time sometimes twenty thousand. you know plus getting paid up front you know i'm just i'm the only reason i'm saying these numbers is people can see what other producers and artists they could see what the record business was paying and you know there was guys getting a lot more than me right you know what i mean i had just that was my first number one record first time platinum so then suge and them hear about me again and now suge's in prison this is after Pac died and he's in mule creek prison okay he hears that i got the number one record in the country with bone so he asked to meet me again because the streets were talking about, I was doing beats for everybody at that time. Then I was like dipping in this studio, that studio, you know, shit was good. So 
but I couldn't get a proper deal at a record label because it seemed like the only two record labels on the West Coast that were dealing with gangster shit and, and dope hip hop. There's only a couple of them. You probably had, you had Priority. Um, you had Ruthless and Death Row. Ruthless and Death Row were some of the biggest. Then you had a couple other ones, too, that were doing it. But, right. you know, if you go to Warner Brothers or something like that, they're not signing acts anymore, rap acts, because Pocket got killed. The whole East Coast, West Coast beef right. jumped off. So they were afraid of that shit. So I was like, let me go meet with Shook. Right. So at that time, they flew me to prison, you know, to go meet Shook at Mule Creek State Prison. Now, before you went, obviously, did you have to get some paperwork done for it? They had to clear me to go there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they cleared me to go there. Um, I go to prison to meet him, you know, talk about like a trippy moment in life. You know what, what I mean? Do? Hello, Shug. No, I'm actually inside the prison with them, walking around the thing. Really? Eating. eating yeah. Because, you know, I don't, Shug had pool there, I'm sure, somewhat. Um, he had a cane because I guess his, his, he had a knee. Of course, he had a pain part. Yeah. So, I'm in there. We're eating hot wings from the machine and like in the thing with, you know, all the other inmates and visitors in there. It's not through a phone. This is a prison. So it's like you have real contact. So me and him are just walking, walking around the thing, talking. And uh, Big C Style went up there with me, actually. He had a deal with Dog Pound Records. And I was also at this time, I produced a whole record for Crooked Eye, which a lot of people know if you know West Coast hip hop. We're going to get into that after the show story. Okay. So. Okay, so that's another reason I'm there with Shook because of Crooked Eye's okay. record. He heard I produced that record too, and he was signed to C Style through Dat and Daz's label, Dog Pound Records, mm -hmm. through Death Row. So we talk. He says, "Look, I want you to be the new head producer of Death Row." Is that what he said? Yeah, this is verbatim. You're going to be the new head producer of Death Row. I'm, a, I'm I want to blow you up like as big as Dre was blown up. He's, he goes, "If anybody can do it, I can do it." I'm going to be out of here soon, and we're going to take this shit over again. You know, um, he goes, I want you to get out and work with, with Hutch. He was over there, too. So Hutch Hutch was there. He wasn't heading things up yet, but I think he was about to. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny because at that time I told him, I said, you know, I'd like to do a record for with Mexican artists at Death Row, through Death Row, but my own label. I go, that's one part of the deal I would want to have, too, because I think we should have our own company, you know what I mean, yeah. dealing with independent artists. Now, this is really before there was a lot of Mexican rappers out there. Now, hold that thought. I have to announce to the people that are watching mm -hmm. that you're half Mexican and half white. Half white, Spanish, Mexican, and a bunch of other stuff okay. on my dad's side, you know, when it comes to white, Irish, German, all that. Okay. You know. So... And and I I just I just saw that there was talent out there and that they didn't have a place to go, and he was like, oh, you know, I fuck with Mexicans too, so that's cool, you know what I mean? He's like, I'm I'm with it. Yeah. He's like, look, the first project you're gonna do is these Tupac records and the Dog Pound 2002. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you the Pac shit. I want you to run with it and make the beats. And I was like, shit, I'm with it. He's like, I'm gonna give you fifty thousand up front. Just to let you know I'm for real, and then I want to sign you to a. That's how we talk it, Pathy, like that. And I want to do like a, a production deal with you. I'm gonna blow you the fuck up. You're gonna get paid every month. I'm gonna give you a salary, and you're gonna get paid per record when they come out. You're gonna work with the best artists in the world. Think about it, but don't think too long. <laughs> Let's write it out. I kind of did it on a napkin, kind of. You know what I mean? So I left there, and I was tripping on the way home. I was like, damn, 
about to go work on these pop records. Because in my mind, people had told me, maybe you shouldn't sign a Suge. You know what I mean? You shouldn't, you know, people get fucked up over there and shit like that. Right. I don't know if I was dumb or what, but I had no fear. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I want my music to come out. Right. I want to be with whoever is going to push that shit. And if shit pops off, it pops off. Right. Fuck it. This is what I do. You know right. what I mean? You know, if, if you really love something like the way we love music, yes. you're willing to fucking go 100, 110%. Right. Like, fuck what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Right. So I, I, I went for it. Let me stop you right there and ask you a question. Uh, you ever meet Johnny J? I did. Okay. Yeah, in the studio. The reason why I bring that up is because you brought up Tupac. Okay. Yeah. A month before Johnny J went to jail. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever shared this on Rodeo Radio, but I'm going to share it now. A month before he went to jail, he calls me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met Johnny J when he uh, produced uh, Knocking Boots for Candyman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, back then, I think it was like a copper or bronze label, and Knocking Boots was on side B. Mm -hmm. Okay, this was before they got a deal with Capital, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah. And I had told him, uh, man, that's your fucking hit right there. You fucking yeah. sample Betty Wright. You flipped mm -hmm. that motherfucker. Mm -hmm. So he calls me a month before he goes to jail and he goes, yeah, man, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, do a little bit of time. But when I get out, uh, I want to use some of your production. He said, because I have about 60 to 80. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. Tupac songs. Yeah. And I said, you have what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I got together with Tupac's mom. She's suing uh, Suge for 100 million. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? And he goes, yeah, I got a bunch of Tupac songs. We can do endless Tupac songs. We could take one verse from a song, bring another rapper in, second verse, bring a different rapper for the third verse. Mm -hmm. We can extend one song and make three songs. Mm -hmm. So he was telling me all this stuff. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool, man. You know, I get excited. Yeah. Okay, cool. Goes to jail. I go to I go to, to uh, eat breakfast one day. I open the newspaper and he was in there, the story. Yeah. Uh, Johnny J uh, committed suicide. And I fucking couldn't believe it. Of course, mm -hmm. then the theories, well, the conspiracy theories went out yeah yeah she got him killed she got him killed now let me share this now and i hope my boy's listening and i hope he doesn't get mad at me for sharing this mm -hmm. one of my boys is a deputy there and i will not mention his name mm -hmm. and he was the last guy that saw johnny j alive and saw him commit suicide so he said put away all the the you know, the conspiracy theories that sure got him killed because the guy did it to himself. Yeah. He said, it's a good friend of mine. He was there. He was he was there a little bit more than he was supposed to. He was there, I think, like six six months. Mm -hmm. And then he just jumped off, I think, a three-story. That's crazy, man. Yeah, he killed himself. And um, it wasn't so much the money, but it was just this guy's life, man. Mm -hmm. This guy lost his life. And why he did it, he told me, but I would never say anything. Mm -hmm. But anyways, brother. So yeah. um, back to you worked... Uh, did Tupac uh, songs? I, I went to the studio to Skip Sailors. I think someone had mentioned that yeah. earlier. So um, I'm with Monster from the Booyah Tribe. I brought him with mm. me because he's a dope-ass guitar player and bass player and one of my best friends. So a dude shows up at the studio in an all-black suit with a, a briefcase handcuffed to his hand. What the fuck is that? Okay, so you, I'm about to tell you what it is. He's strapped. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, and I got one of my guys there with me, and he's always strapped because, you know, this is the hip-hop game back then. Right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Um, so he shows up, and I, I'm like, dude, he's, he looked like Men in Black or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, those are the reels. You know what I mean? 
And I didn't realize at that time how much those reels were worth. Right. So these are Tupac's acapellas on these right. reels. Now, this album that we did went four times platinum. Now, you take that times $10 a piece, that's, you know, $40 yeah. million. Dollars. So now you know why it was handcuffed to his arm. Because, but it didn't hit me at the time. But right. when I saw that, I'm like, this is some serious shit. I better not fuck up. And these were two-inch? There's a two-inch reels. Wow. Yeah. So he puts up the reels. I walk in the room. Hutch is in there. Right. He's on the mixing boards and stuff. And I say, let's put up the vocals. And he puts up the vocals for Happy Home. Um, and I start making the beat. As soon as I hear it, I'm tripping out. I'm like, just pump his acapella for yeah. me. Let me just feel this shit. And it was kind of a trippy feeling, you know? I know. And I just started making the beat. And Monster started playing the guitar. And we started writing, writing the songs. You know, and we ended up doing two songs that night, Why You Want to Turn On Me and um, Happy Home. Then we brought singers in and uh, Crooked Eye and my boy Jim Getham came in there and worked on the song with us. And I helped write the hooks for him and stuff, you know, and let, brought the singers in. Let, let, let me ask you this question for me. For people, this generation doesn't know what a two inch is. Mm -hmm. um, you put it on pretty much. You fit about three songs, 15 minutes. Yeah. You got the acapellas. Mm -hmm. You press play and you hear Tupac talk. Yeah. How did that shit feel, man? It was fucking, it was the craziest feeling in the world. It was almost like mystical, like just sitting in there. I asked them, they, they turned the lights kind of low and we just kind of listened to the shit. And I was like, right away, I'm hearing drums in my head, you know, especially the, why you want to turn on me? I'm hearing that hook in my head and I hear his rapping because he's so like aggressive. His raps are so dope. You know, so it, it was just a crazy feeling. But me as a drummer, I'm hearing the what the drum should go like first. When usually I'll write keyboards first. Right. But with him, his vocals, I did the drums first. I remember doing that. Wow. But it was just a fucking, it was a dope feeling. You know, what, what, what did you I use was honored. To, yes. What, what did you, you know? use to make those beats? MPC 60, MPC 3000. Okay. And um, uh, I forget what keyboard it was at the, the Trinity, I think. Okay. Okay, the, the, the reason why I bring that up, uh, because there's a lot of people that want to know, like like me, we're, uh, if you will, um, studio geeks, we want to know, what did you use? Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. Saying? Uh, somebody had commented, oh, he's probably one of those laptop producers. First of all, shut the fuck up if you don't know, okay? Mm -hmm. This man's kicking history. So mm -hmm. other than that... Um, there was no laptop producing at this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a lot of people like to talk out of their ass, you yeah. know, and uh, that's why I always say, make sure you tune in before you fucking talk. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, um, other than that, so you do the Tupac's, uh, how many? Uh, we did two songs that night and uh, Hutch had already been working on the project when I had met with Shug. And so those songs, then I had meetings at Interscope and stuff and they loved the records. I met with Tupac's mom and I think, I can't remember the lady's name that ran the label for her. Okay. But I met with them at Interscope and all the heads at Interscope and shit and they played the record and they loved it. So that was a good feeling for me because I was like, yeah. I hope they like it. You yeah. know what I mean? They loved it. Yeah. That shit drops number one. Boom. As soon as it drops, you know, multi-platinum, wow. you know, so Suge is stoked. I go in and do the Dog Pound 2002 record, which at that time, Daz had left. They were beefing, you know. Okay. Um, I didn't know all the insides of what was going on with that. I had worked with Daz already before on Crooked Eyes Project. So I decide to sign the death row after that. Suge gives me the money. I say, okay, let's let's do this shit. I didn't sign yet. I just started making records. He's like, look, I'm just gonna pay you to make the records. I'll get your contract ready. So then he comes out of prison uh -huh. and I'm making, I probably made like 150 records at death row, like 
Really? He had me in there six days a week. He said, I'm gonna put you in the best studio. I'm gonna lock it out for you. I'm gonna get, I want all my artists to go in there and just start producing them. So six days a week, 12 hour day sessions. Fuck. I love so, those days. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> but it, it was a time of my life. Cause I'm like, dude, of course I'm getting paid to make music and then corrupt comes back. You know what I mean? He hears what I did on the 2002 record. I remember me, him, and Sugar were in Vegas, and I met Corrupt for the first time again. Well, I met him once at Can-Am, but I don't know if he would remember me. Right. And he's like, and Suge played him the shit I did uh, roll with us from the 2002 album. And I remember Corrupt was like, holy fuck, Vegas, you doing all my shit. You're going to do all my shit, guys. You're going to do it all. You know what I mean? He was like, he loved it. And I and I looked up to Corrupt like he was one of my favorite MCs. Oh. You know? So. You ever meet Fred Rick? I met Fred Reck a couple times, like just in studio spots. But at that time, he was with Dre. Right. I'm with Suge. It's, it's <laughs> rival camps. You know what I mean? Right. Like if I would have had the opportunity to sign a Dre back then, you know, I would have. That was who I looked up to a lot. Of course. Suge is the one that I met with. You know what I mean? And yeah. he offered me the deal. So I took it. So I'm with Death Row. Those other dudes are with Aftermath. You know what I mean? There was no like, that shit was heated at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Then I had a new manager working with me. His name was Buntry. He was Suge's right-hand man. Again, he's going to look out for me with my dealings, make sure I get paid when I'm supposed to get paid. I'm going to kick him a percentage. Right. And uh, we're doing a lot of fucking songs, and I'm, I'm not getting the bonuses I'm supposed to be getting. Okay. You know what I mean? Um the Dog Pound 2000, 2002 went good. Then I'm working on Corrupt solo album, Crooked Eyes second solo album. And um, one day I'm at the studio waiting for Buntry to come meet with me at the studio. The night before we had a little argument about, not me and him arguing, just arguing about some money that I was owed and shit. And he's like, I'm going to be there tomorrow. And I'm waiting at the studio for him. And he gets murdered that day on the way to the studio shot right out of his shoes in Compton at the gas station. So that was so, my second manager that got killed. So that was supposed to be by accident? I don't know what it, I, no, it was no accident. I mean, I don't know what, I, I mean, I heard later what happened and everything, and, right. you know, and. We'll leave it know. at that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I got two more big questions. Well, number one, a lot of people hit me up this uh, week on, ask them about Crooked Eye. How did you meet Crooked Eye? How did that develop or? Big C style, and Dave, my buddy Dave, was working with Crooked Eye. I heard Crooked Eye, and I was like, this dude is a fucking insane artist. Like, when I heard him rap, <clears throat> nobody was rapping like that on the West Coast. Like, the, right. the the metaphors and shit that he had blew me away. Right. I was like, he's dope. I, I made some beats for C style because he was signed to Big C style, 19th Street Records. He bought five songs from me, five beats from me. So that was my first relationship with Crooked Eye. When Crooked Eye heard the beats, and me and him became like, just all of a sudden became like this. Yeah. We, me, him, and another friend, Jim Getham, who was one of Crooked Eye's boys from Long Beach, a super talented piano player. Like, you say any 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 tune you want to hear, a church song or something, he grew up playing in the church, he'll play it. So the three of us, he was, he was waiting on his deal to come through a death row uh -huh. to get his budget. I said, fuck the budget. Let's just start making the record. I'll budget the record. I'll get it. I'll make it happen. Hmm. So I went to the studio where I did the Bone Thug stuff and said, look, let's cut this record. Let's work out a deal. Let's push the envelope because they're not getting the record done. And we made a whole album called Untouchable Cali that I swear to God, I still get every day. People hit me up begging me to drop that record. 
No shit. It was the fucking, if that record would have came out at that time, it would have been the biggest record in hip hop. It was insane. Well, why didn't it come out? Shook came home. They liked the record, but he wanted, I think he wanted to be a part of the record. Okay. He said, let's cut some more songs. We cut a whole nother set of like another 30 songs. Damn. All these, rec all these records were, I mean, they were so dope, dude, that when you would listen to them back then, I was just like, dude, I'm about, to, we're about to blow the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that the, the, the at that time, about 300 federal agents raided us at death row. One day I left the studio, four in the morning, within an hour, the feds jumped through all the windows and all that shit at the studio and the offices and stuff, raided death row, seized a bunch of shit. I think the IRS was sure owed the IRS a lot of money at that time too. Everything got put on hold. We did some soundtracks. We did a dysfunctional family soundtrack. I did that with Eddie Griffith. He was in the studio with me every day, which was dope, dope. you know? And it was like a death row compilation kind of. We did a bunch of records with all the artists, you know? Right. Um, I also did Left Eye's album when she was she signed to death row. Le Lisa Left Eye. Lisa Left Eye. So I was producing her record and she died in the middle of the record which was, dude, there's like so much crazy shit going on. You know, right. a couple other dudes got murdered that, that were there every day with us too. So it was like people were just dying, dude. People were By being accident. killed. Crazy shit. She was working. She went to go visit Dr. Sebi in Nicaragua and she had got everybody cleansing and stuff at death row and she got killed over there in a, in a car accident as I was working on her project in the studio. And she was cool as fuck, dude. Wow cool person so a lot of crazy shit went on over there you know okay um now <laughs> it's hard to believe almost but you know what let me say something real quick this fucking michelada is fucking dope bro. <laughs> on another like, on, I'm a, on another note hey if you're willing to sponsor me homie i'll push your shit okay yeah. just throwing that out there anyways um you talk to suge about if you will mexican rappers yeah, Chicano rappers or whatever. Whatever happened with that? Okay, so in walks one of my homeboys that I had met through Suge. He was a gangster cat. Okay. You know, he, you tell, like, he, he ran a lot of shit over in his neighborhood. I'm not going to mention the neighborhood. Okay. Um, He brings in this 15-year-old rapper, and that was Little G, who is now King Little G. Okay. So I met Little G. Another cat named Bullet, another cat named Young Dopey. And and I told him, I said, and I told Suge, I said, look, I'm going to start working with these guys. You know what I mean? I see something. Little G had a good voice. He was young. He was like 15. Yeah. You know, I was like, he's got a dope voice. I said, and I think chicks like him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I'm looking at it as a record industry type cat too. Yeah. And me, so me and his older homies the og homie from his neighborhood were like let's let's form let's do this company together and we're going to start doing this shit ourselves and so i at that time i'm getting paid a lot per song yeah i did it for free i said look let's join forces you and me let's work on little g and bullets and young dopey stuff yeah and let's do it ourselves and then if if suge chimes in on it you know what i mean we'll talk to him about it you know what i mean so we cut some records and those were little G's first records, you know, uh, sending this message it was called. And um, 
a song with him and Bullet on it that we did, and we shot the videos and stuff ourselves at the Century Club, which was like our stomping grounds back then. The Century yeah. Club was the shit. Century Club was the shit. We yeah. were walking the Century Club, me and the homies, and just have it roped off and just like fucking popping bottles and just you know we all were making a lot of money at that time booties clapping everything. yeah everything was wild and um so little g that was the start of his rap career and um some shit went down with the older homies and um i don't really know what happened but we were this was supposed to be our label we were going to do little g stuff and something would happen to where later i saw one of my homies i saw him on america's most wanted and I was like, this shit ain't going down no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, uh, let me say something about King Little G. And this was told to me by one of my homies that really, really loves rap. Yeah. He's about my age. He said this. If you ever interview King Little G, I want to be there. I'm talking about here. Yeah. Now, I reached out to him. And for those people that have been wondering when he's going to get King Little G, mm -hmm. during this corona uh, shit, he just said he's not doing no interviews. Yeah. Cool, I respect that. I don't blame him. You know, but my boy said, if if he's ever there, I want to be there because I see him like the Mexican Tupac. Mm -hmm. I don't know if other people see that, but that's what's thrown out there. Mm -hmm. The only other person that's been compared to, if you will, a black rapper was mm -hmm. Frank V. Properdose. They said he was the Mexican Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. And they were dope too. Yes, absolutely. So now, let me ask you this. Um, and I'm going to ask you, like I asked every other Chicano, you being a producer, mm. why do you think Chicano rap or just Chicanos rapping have never reached that level of a Snoop or an Easy E or a game? It's a, How come you and I haven't been on a bunch of album covers? You know what I mean? Like, why were we always in the background? I don't know. There, but I would say that some of the Chicano rappers at that time, there wasn't a lot of dope ones, but record labels didn't know what to do with them. You're right. I was like, when I talked to Suge, I was like, dude, I know what to do. This shit is going to be the biggest fucking shit. Do you know how many Mexicans there are in fucking LA alone? Yes. That will fucking eat this shit up and would love the opportunity to freaking hear one other people fucking rapping right now? Yes. This was before the whole Chicano fucking shit blew up. Yes. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, that's going to be the next big shit. Trust me. I, and and I think Shook believed me. He was like, yeah, but, you know. You're right. It didn't happen. It was just, it, and I had told him, look, I want this to be our thing, though, but we go through you yes. through distribution because we got to, this has to be our shit that we own. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, there's going to be problems because, you know. The cats that I was dealing with, they didn't play fucking games. Like if, if somebody, if we made music and it got put out and we didn't get paid, shit was going yeah. down. You know what I mean? You know, you had the vision and sort of easy E mm -hmm. that, like you said, so many Mexicans mm -hmm. out there, one of them's bound to fucking take off and take us to the next fucking level. Yeah. Because the ones that were in already in the early 90s, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, they didn't do anything for us. Mm-hmm. We got to start with these new generation cats, mm. take it to the next level. Yeah. And if I can uh, shine light on the new generation here, I want to mm. do that. Yeah. You can produce for the next generation. You know what? I'll promote it here. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I do believe, uh, I was talking to Violet Brown mm -hmm. uh, not too long ago, and I asked her, what do you think, Violet? Why do you think? Is she said, first of all, 
you guys have never peaked. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been one person, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had somebody in the early 90s or whatever mm-hmm. that came out. But nothing ever, happened, nothing ever happened after that. Mm-hmm. That was a big record. Yeah. That was a big fucking record. Nothing that got me excited but when it came out. after that, what happened? Nothing. Nothing. And then yet, we're, we are still on the outskirts of the thing we call hip-hop, and mm-hmm. we are the number one consumer. Mm-hmm. Here, especially here in California, we are hip-hop's economy. Mm-hmm. We buy all the shows. We, we buy all the tickets. We buy all the apparel. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're still on the outside. Yeah. You know. Uh, I don't get it. And w- when I talk about it, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. People get upset with me. People get mm-hmm. pissed off at me. Well, hip-hop is this. Hip-hop is that. Hip-hop is this. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Talent is talent regardless of what color you are. Yeah. So. You know, I would say Little G kind of was the next Mexican artist that did blow up. Uh You know, you had Little Rob, you know, King Little G. Um, There's a few other guys out there, too. And then a lot of other guys that were doing their thing that were trying to get it cracking. But it's hard because they weren't getting record deals. Yes. No one's offering them a fucking record deal. Right. At that time, I wanted to take Little G to the next level. At the yeah. same time, I didn't want to step on toes from his people because I didn't know what really happened. I didn't really know what was going on. Right. But we always remained friends, and I gave him. I worked with him on the mm-hmm. side and gave him songs, the the Blue Devil mixtape and shit, which helped blow him up. And then uh, his other album, which I just did a song called Capital G for him on his last record, um, you know, Paint the City Blue. And so we still talk all the time. You know, he does his thing. No, I'm doing my thing. But, you know, he he always gives it up to me. He's like, dude, I just want to thank you for always being the one that believed in me and kind of put your, you know, I wasn't producing shit for free at that time, dude. I was about my money and business, but I saw something in him and that company, you know what I mean? Where I knew we could have blew the fuck up. Yeah. Especially with Death Row backing us. Yeah. But it's us, you know. So it didn't go down. Shit happened. Little G didn't quit. That's one thing I always respect about him. He didn't quit. He had no fucking money, dude. He was broke. He didn't have shit. He came from nothing. He fucking built his own shit up by himself and did it. I remember he used to call me like he'd come to my studio and I would put him on interviews back then. You know, you could probably still see shit online. And he would be like, Darren, you got to go on this MySpace shit. <laughs> you know, but we came from the era where, dude, I didn't take pictures, dude, in the studio. Right. Because half the dudes I was with were fresh. They were felons. Yeah. They couldn't even be in the same room together. You know what I mean? Right. So we, especially at Death Row, dude, like people, that was, there's a couple of pictures online with me and Suge and everybody where I'm at the mixing boards and shit, but you won't see a lot of pictures from that era. It's right. not like today where everybody's got a phone right. and you could take a picture. So he did have the foresight to, to blow up with social media. He was one of the first Mexican rappers that blew up from social media. Yeah. He used that shit to a T. And then uh, he worked with another friend of mine and, and, and a couple guys that designed clothes and they started his clothing line and stuff. And like he built like an imp- a small empire now. Dope. You know, so Dope. now I'm working with a bunch of, I guess you, they're Mexican and they rap. Okay. I don't want to call it Chicano rap. I, I don't know. know what you call it, dude. I, know. I don't want to even put it in a box, but they're fucking dope. Yeah. And, and what I'm telling people now is, look, for years I couldn't even work with artists because I was stuck in a contract at death row. I had major labels that wanted to give me big deals, publishing deals and stuff. Yeah. But they were afraid Suge would show up and claim that I was his artist. And he had even told me, hey, dude, after all the shit happened with the, the IRS and all the other stuff, do your thing. I'm not going to come fuck with you or whatever. You know what I mean? Because okay. I was like, you know, I'm going to do music regardless, dude. Whatever happens with 
with all the stuff. And I don't really have no ill will towards Suge because Suge was the West Coast at that time. Yeah. You know, there was only a couple places you could go and you couldn't talk to a CEO of a label at any other label. I dealt with the CEO every day. He was in the studio every day with me for three years, sitting there smoking a cigar. And where can you do that at a record label where you can be right there and really like talk to people and be like, you know, hey, man, I got a problem with this or I got a problem with this. We used to get in arguments. People would trip on me like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Because there was a lot of yes men around there. I know. And Shook, you know, people don't even know that Shook plays the bass. He's a musician. Really? He loves music. One time I walked in there, he was on the MP fucking around and shit. And I was like, Shook, I know you know music. He was like, yeah, you know, I play the bass a little bit, you know, and stuff. So he wanted me to rap when I was there because I was a rapper. When on the California records, I rapped on the records. Okay. And I've always written with artists. Okay. Because we're making records. It's a, it's, it's like this. Some people say, you know, I write all my shit and this and that. And I'm like, bro, if you're making a, a fucking record and you're a producer and you hear a hook on that beat or something or a way the flow should go, you're going to put your input on it. You know what right. I mean? So a I'm lot of producers can rap. I'm glad you said that because I won't name the guys and embarrass them. I I don't want to say I wrote because I didn't take a pencil and I wrote it, mm -hmm. but I told them, say this yeah. for the chorus. Yeah. You should name your album this. Yeah. You should name that song That's what a this. good producer does. And that's what I did. But yeah. you know, they never give me the credit. They say, oh, I did this and I did that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I got kind of tired of that shit. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah. uh, um, one of my last questions is, how is your relationship with Suge? Or if you even have one. We don't even have a relationship. Okay. You know, after I left, uh, it wasn't on great terms when, you know, he didn't fuck with me. I didn't fuck with him. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he had too much. I think that the world was coming down on him at that time. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he was a fucking saint or nothing like that either. You know, but, you know, people, he was his whole company was getting seized and shit like that. You know, yeah. he was working with other people. I wasn't happy with the records not coming out. I put my heart and soul into all that shit. If all those records would have came out at the time that I made those records, right? You know, Darren Vegas is up here. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It was crazy. You know. So, um, anyway, I don't have a relationship with them. If I sat down with them right now, we'd probably talk and laugh and right. talk about bullshit. I don't know. You know? Okay. Who knows? Do, do you see at all? At all. Uh, let me give a big shout out to Doughboy Tony. He's one of my new artists that I'm working with right now. Yes. It, let me tell you something. First of all, when I saw him driving that white truck, mm -hmm. what the fuck's a 15-year-old kid driving this big-ass truck? Because <laughs> yeah. he got a baby face, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. When he's 60 years old, he's going to be the 60s and That's 30. how little G was, too. He still looks young. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. good for artists. That's what I tell him, bro. That's a fucking blessing to look young because, you know, for some reason... If you're in hip hop, you can't be, you can't grow old and still do music for some reason, which is fucking ridiculous because rock and stars are fucking. Yeah, and it's only hip hop. It's fucked up. It, it shouldn't be like that. I think shit might start changing. I mean, because you, know? you got Rolling Stone still singing, Star Me Up. Yeah. Okay. You should have been started up a fucking long time yeah. ago, homie. Yeah. Okay. And you're still singing that shit. And people love to go watch them. I know. So, you know, <laughs> hip hop needs to change in certain aspects. You know what I mean? I'm going to announce that I'm a little buzzed. Yeah, okay. good. So, good. Anyways, this is the and she's laughing. Yeah. Don't laugh at me. I gotta say uh, uh, a quick shout out to my wife Arcelia, and my son Hunter and Dylan, and um, my homeboy Rude Dog in Mexico. He can't come back, but we he was with me through a lot of those meetings with Suge, and when shit went down, he had my back right there. Oh yeah. Um, 
Put some putazos. Yeah, no, he he, he didn't play. He's from Santa. Anymore, from Santa. No, I'm good. And, uh, uh, you know, another thing, I don't, I don't know if we're winding down, but I wanted to say a shout out to Matt Mauser, who's a good friend of mine, and his daughter, Penny. I was producing for Kobe Bryant right before he passed. Share that, please. Please share that. I'm going to okay. take another little sip. And right. I'm going to get a little buzzed. And after this, we're going to go inside and I'm going to crash. All right. Go ahead. Um, I was doing music with Kobe. For, How did you meet him, please? Through my buddy, Matt. Okay. He uh, met Kobe through their daughters, played basketball together. Okay. So my buddy, Matt, is a phenomenal uh, songwriter and singer. He's this group called the Tijuana Dogs. And him and Kobe became great friends. And his wife and Kobe coached basketball together for their teams. Yeah. So Kobe heard about me and asked if I would do some beats for him for his podcast shows, The Punies. And he was doing he had a lot of other shit that he was doing that people don't know about that that dude did not retire like a normal person. And he was he had his hands in a lot of stuff. Um, I started doing some beats for him. He was paying me through, you know, we hadn't met yet. Um, then he called me to the studio one day. We worked for about eight hours and I just he sat in there with me as I'm producing music for his shows. And it, like, it seemed like he just loved every minute of it. You know, he sat in the director's chair with a bottle of wine as I'm making beats, you know, with Matt and the guitar player, Dave, and a couple other guys. The, the keyboard player for the Dodgers was there. Oh, shit. <laughs> We're good. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Keyboard player for the Dodgers was one of the guys in there. And um, So if you don't give me the right answers, I'll yeah. <laughs> So and, anyway, I started. That's how we built the relationship. And he had wanted to do. He was pulled me to the side like look I want to work on some some hip-hop plays for Broadway and opera wow. type things and I want you to produce it with me and I was like fuck I'm in you know wow. what I mean this is Kobe wow. you know so anyway my good buddy Matt his wife was on the helicopter with Kobe when it crashed and um it was a devastating moment and um he's a good friend of mine and anyway his daughter's song dropped today we had wrote a song me and him with his daughter, they did a, a, a duet together. <clears throat> she had a show the night that the helicopter crashed with him that was sold out, the Bray Improv. She was supposed to be on that helicopter too. And because she was performing that night, he said, I don't want you to go to the game. I'd rather you just save yourself for the show tonight. And so she was supposed to be on that helicopter too and, and wasn't. And um, her single came out today. Wow. <clears throat> Sorry, wow. I get a little choked up. Wow. Um, so, but anyway, I just wanted to give them a shout out because they're going through all this Corona stuff with us too, but they lost uh, his wife and, and the mother of uh, other kids. And so I just wanted to say, uh, you know, go, go check out Mount Mauser and, 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 and Penny's new song on, on YouTube. It dropped today and stuff. And he's a phenomenal singer. It's not hip hop or anything like that. It's more pop for kids, her stuff. And, yeah. and his stuff is, you know, he wrote a song called Lost about the whole, the whole uh, right. situation and stuff. But, you, you know. know, you know, let me say this. One thing is um, about Kobe Bryant, it, it just that whole accident, it had a lot, it had the whole world. It impacted the whole world, dude. It fucked up the whole world because it, it was still, even now, it's still unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was in the studio and I was like, dude, I hope his wife wasn't on the plane or the helicopter with him, too. Yeah. You know, that's such a huge loss for, for all the families in there. Yeah. You know? you know, there was this one family that posted something on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram. Mm. And this one family took a family picture at the Staples Center when everybody was gathering. Mm -hmm. And they said uh, the caption was Kobe Bryant was a part of our family. 
And yeah. I'll be honest with you, I think every, not just Mexican, but every Latino family felt the mm. same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the whole world felt the same. Yeah. Because we grew up pretty much watching him, you know, an amazing person, and much love, much respect to, you know, everybody who lost loved ones, you know, may they yeah. rest in peace. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, brother, well, listen, uh, we come to our time, mm. and any, any other shout outs you want to give? My little brother Angel, it's his birthday today. I want to say happy birthday to him. He's in New Orleans. He moved out there to work on houses and stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, all the artists that I'm working with right now, a lot of dope as artists right now. Lottie the G, Doughboy Tony, Slay Guns, um, Steve Gotti, uh, Richie Rich, uh, uh, just at Baldacci. We got in the studio and did some stuff together. He's another guy that I think could really blow up right now too. Dope. And he's, his documentary is coming out. Uh, on the 10th, I think. And I know. had him much love to Badachi and uh, Shady. Yeah. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. cool. The, the good people right there. And just all the artists that I'm working with, just be on the lookout for them. I'm probably producing about 200 songs a year right now, Shit. which is the crazy. The I'm back to my death row days, but producing for this new generation right okay. now. So Now, if I ever call you and I tell you, I just want to come, come by and hang out. Don't ever deny me, my brother. I would, I would <laughs> never. I, I'm so glad what you're doing right now. Thank you for the hip hop community and stuff. And um, I watched the show, and I was just, I was like, this is the guy I got to go talk to. You know what's funny? Because I you, don't like to go do interviews. When you said that, I was like, okay, I hope he allows me to interview him. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah. So let me go ahead and say this, you guys. Um, be looking out for Darren Vegas and his production. Doughboy Tony, Lottie G, and everybody else under his production. Make sure you support him. Make sure you support Noel. Noel's coming out with some shit. Uh, I, I would like to hook you up with her, so maybe you guys can work something out. Cool. And Sleepy Malo. Thank you for Sleepy coming out, Malo. my brother. It's a gonna, good interview. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and give my shout-outs to John motherfucking Elkins. He's coming out with his anal bleach. Make sure you guys pick that shit up. Make sure you guys come out with the stripper uh, glitter. Okay, uh, that's fucking coming out. Red Bottoms, John Elkins, Red Bottoms is fucking coming out. Okay. John motherfucking Elkins. John motherfucking Elkins <laughs> Strip Club will be opening soon, so be looking out for that date. Okay, and then we got D to the motherfucking G in the motherfucking building. Then my boy, uh, B. Scandalous, and then uh, my brother, uh, Bolas. The reason why they call him Bolas because they had the balls and they'll throw down with any motherfucker here in the neighborhood. So, uh, once again, much res love and much respect to them. And then to my brother right here. They're in motherfucking Vegas, not to be confused with Las Vegas. Yeah, but I love Las Vegas. But he loves Las Vegas. So, if I have to bring you back, you're going to come back. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. Sure. And I'll have some more Michelada mix. Okay. And some more tequila. Yeah. Maybe Patron Silver yeah. or whatnot. And then I want just want to thank me. Okay, so once again, uh, listen. As you should. Yes. Check this out. Sunday, it's Easter Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it. We're not going to have a show, but we'll be back next Wednesday with a very, a very special guest. I bet you can't guess who it is. But Sunday, no uh, show. No show. So next Wednesday, we'll be back. So stay up. Stay blessed. Call somebody. Text somebody. Slap the shit out of somebody. Clap some cheeks and let them know that Darren Vegas was in the motherfucking building. Yes, and we sir. out. Yes, sir.